hey, this is an important announcement. Uh, people who've been listening for the past couple of years will know that Watch Out for Fireballs and all the shows on the network are supported by our Patreon at patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. The change in the announcement here is that we've added a whole bunch of new goals, uh, and all of them are new shows. So uh, go there and check it out. We have these different tiers, these milestone goals for doing shows about Dungeons & Dragons monsters or the X-Men animated series, uh, the Dark Tower novels or the music of R.E.M., even that uh, Final Fantasy show we've been teasing for a long time. All of those are up there now, and they have... They have kind of monetary goals attached to them. All of this is kind of just our way of saying we want to do these cool things. We just need uh, the, the the money to help us get the time to to do them and to, you know, hopefully continue kicking ass. So, again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. If you're already giving, we are so grateful. Um, if you haven't given yet, uh, take a look and see if you can swing any of the uh, any any of the donation tiers. If you can't, we're just happy you're listening. But uh, this is a huge part of our plan for the future of the network. Once again, that is Patreon.com/slash/DuckFeedTV, and thank you. All according to plan. How about you? Darkness rides eternal. My blade thirsts for the sap of your ignorance. Albach Champkur. Habala Prostratum. The matricide of kings is at hand. Strike from the heart of hatred. I was born for slaughter. Into the crevasse. Okay, the, the total will be 8750. Sorry, to, we're not set up for chip cards yet. Uh, just swipe right there, yeah. Our forebears sang songs, songs of this day. day. Tonight, Tonight we, we dine victorious. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro game podcast. Yes, and this week we are talking about Warcraft 3, Reign of Chaos, which is a real-time strategy game developed and published by Blizzard uh, for the PC and Mac in 2002. And what a, what a bunch of firsts this is. <laughs> this is a first for us. It's first for Blizzard's. Yeah. Uh, Blizzard, it is the uh, Blizzard's first fully 3D game. It is the first fully uh, RTS, kind of traditional RTS game we've covered for the show, um, and the first Blizzard game we've done, and they are titans. Yes. You know, they're huge in the industry. Um, so uh, one of the things, we have a disclaimer that is related to that second point. Yes. Here. Which is, uh, uh, please forgive us, because this is the first RTS we're covering, um, some of the things we were going to say are going to sound very basic, like, duh. Yes. So that that is true. Also true, um, this is neither of our genres. 
Yes. Um, I, I like this game a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've played other than StarCraft two, which I just haven't gotten around to. I have played all of the Blizzard RTSs, mm-hmm. but I play them for the campaign and then I'm done with them. Yes. Um, which, so similar to other things we've done, um, Call of Duty. There is, a, I think, like it, it, Call like of Duty, that is the yes. closest, closest analog here. Yeah. There's a huge multiplayer metagame thing that I know nothing about. Right. Um, and in addition, because it's Warcraft three, which spawned both Dota and World of Warcraft, <laughs> um, two of the biggest, you know, games that I know almost nothing about. Right. Like genres of games I know so little about. The- um, yeah, yeah. The the biggest MMO and then the progenitor of the biggest genre um, in multiplayer gaming right now. The uh, yes. the, the um, Lords management or whatever it is. Yes. So this is a uh, we're going to sound ignorant. Yeah. Um, this is treat this like um, when we do uh, survey episodes, like the interactive fiction episode, where it's like we can't cover everything. Right. We're going to talk about what's on the disc of warcraft 3 and what that is like to play as a single player person yes and Uh, you know we're probably going to make some sweeping statements about units about races about strategies uh that are just not true in multiplayer Um, that's that's true too like we're going to talk about how the game kind of intends you and you know intends you to and teaches you how to play with these units um as best we can tell through the single player campaign which is an entertaining experience on on its own but is kind of a training mode yeah for the multiplayer but we're not talking about the multiplayer meta um, because we don't know. Right. So some of that stuff will end up in the extra I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, like with Call of Duty, we're relying on other people to shore up our weaknesses. Yeah. Um, but luckily this game stands up as a single player, like fun game on its own. Yeah. Um, so it is, uh, it's worth talking about as its own thing as well. Yeah. So Gary, what makes this a real time strategy game? What is a real time strategy game? Well, it's when you pick from one of five gods and you pick the one you like the best and then you lead a terrible camera through yeah. a featureless gray waste full of units you can barely control that are impossible to read against other units. Oh, wait, hmm. that's um, I don't even know what that is. That's uh, that's a the not that's a non-traditional RTS. Yeah. Um, the uh, real RTS is played from a bird's eye view. You are a god kind of figure um, controlling uh, you know, similar to how you control like Baldur's Gate or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at your pieces on the board. Um kind of issuing these commands to these little units in order to explore a large map, kill enemies, and then uh, to create these units and support them, you're also building bases. Yes. And uh, and managing these economies. You're playing these... Tech trees. Yeah. You're you're, you're playing these games as as Cousin It. No, not Cousin It. The Thing. You're playing it as Thing from the Addams Family. You're a disembodied hand that drags boxes. You're Glover. Yes, you are Glover. You're Glover! (laughs) You you only have your Glover and you have one day left to roll a triumph. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter one. I'm just getting too old for this shit. <laughs> yep. Office. Uh, You're getting too old for this shit. <laughs> By the nine. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like in most RTSs, we have different factions that you're playing as. These four races, humans, orcs, undead, and night elves. Um, uh, and most of the generalities we're going to talk about at the beginning here are going to hold true for all of them. Um, however, there are distinct differences, like even just in the logistics of, you know, getting off of the ground with them. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And we're going to cover most of those as we talk about them, because the campaign takes you through each of these races in sequence. And that's one of the most impressive and coolest things about this as a game. Oh, yeah. Is that uh, every race plays very differently. Um, this isn't new because Blizzard did this for StarCraft. StarCraft yes. is famous for having this balance. Um, they pulled it off again. Mm-hmm. Like all four races play very differently and are very balanced um, and require a different kind of approach. 
Right. Um, and that's super, super cool. And I can't believe they did that kind of entire thing again. Um, <laughs> it is, it is really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, so the different scenarios you have for these different races kind of require you to adapt your tactics. Um, you're going to fight, be fighting different enemies, enemies that are, uh, well suited and also, uh, you know, both to your strengths and weaknesses. Mm hmm. Um, you know, depending, and you're going to be, uh, kind of doing a variety of objectives. Um, that's another big difference with this RTS versus its predecessors. Uh, Starcraft kind of dabbled in that, but this is the first game to go full bore. Um, there's a variety of different things you can do. Yeah. Um, which makes Warcraft 3 a really weird game. Yeah. Um, but a much more satisfying one. I, you know, I was going to like tweet this, but I figured it would be, uh, kind of taken out of context or whatever. Warcraft 3 is the most successful, I think, when it is not entirely an RTS. I think that when you're just mounting an army to wipe the enemy off of the map, that ends up being a little bit tedious as, as opposed to like these little micro um, kind of scenarios that they run you through. I, I feel like one requires the other. Like oh, yeah. I like both a lot. Like I, I like that you'll do these kind of weird little one-off things and then go back to like, Oh, I get to explore this tech, tech tree and make it like an empire. Mm -hmm. I find that very satisfying. Um, but I think that out of the games that I played, and again, this doesn't count Starcraft two, which I imagine is more in this mold. Um, very much so is uh is much more satisfying than Warcraft 1 and 2 mm -hmm. um and StarCraft which are all games I have a lot of catalog with like I play those games a lot yeah. um this is is very satisfying to kind of go back and forth it creates like a pace that is very brisk and it needs to be brisk to support a game that's this long and dense <laughs> oh my god this I is i think one of the longest games we've done a single episode on yeah it is uh it's a it's a very long game um and very you do a lot yeah um so when you're doing the rts parts uh it kind of the economy is the uh the the big kind of part of this and you're getting uh wood and uh gold yes are kind of the resources you're managing as well as kind of a food limit yeah um which is kind of counts as a third resource um in the game previous games had oil um and the expansion has oil as well yeah i want to say because naval I combat comes back yeah, oil is tied to uh to the uh to like naval combat, building yes. boats and stuff like that. Which is which is not in Reign of Chaos, it's just in the Frozen Throne. Um way back in the day we talked about uh doing a little bit on the Frozen Throne during this episode. But one, uh <laughs> even our most stalwart supporters are probably sick of three hour episodes. Yeah. And two, uh that's another twenty hours, dog. Like <laughs> it is uh Dark Souls three's coming out. Uh, yeah. can't 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 do. Um so and and for the record, like the Frozen Frozen Throne is really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I played it before, like, um, but I'm not, uh, we, I didn't replay it for the show. Yeah. So, so, um, of those kind of resources, the one that kind of acts, uh, kind of strange is, is the food like golden wood. It makes sense. You have mines, you, get, you have forests that you uh, have to send workers to go for, but the food is really kind of the, the, the limiting factor for your army. You increase it by kind of building these store um mm -hmm. uh buildings and things like that and um you know different different units have kind of different uh um different requirements they, they they take up a different amount of food and as your food burden goes up it doesn't matter like what percentage of your max you are you're, you are taking um you actually get less efficient with gold harvesting there's a there's like a there's a burden associated with having a whole bunch of units on the map which um feels to me having you know played starcraft and brood war um, as, like it, like it's a way for them to just really counter counteract the strategy of turtle up until you build an army full of the, you know, the, the most powerful units and then just wipe them out. Like they're trying to, it feels like, um, enforce a, a play where you are kind of just being smaller and scrappier. 
Yeah, it, it kind of increases the pacing. It encourages skirmishes at a low level. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can have kind of bounce off your opponent's base and have them bounce off your base at a lower level. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing it does is since you have this, uh, there's a hard limit of 90 no matter what. So even if you have 10 farms or what have you, 90 is your limit. And it functions the same way um, if you ever played a miniatures game. Mm-hmm. There's a point total. Yeah. Like I'm going to play a 40-point game of Warhammer or War Machine Hordes or something like that. And, uh, or hero clicks and every piece is worth a certain number of points and it's a balancing factor. Yeah. So theoretically, no matter how intense your opponent, I mean, this is true in multiplayer, no mm-hmm. matter how good your opponent gets, they're going to have 90 food points worth of units. Mm-hmm. That's the maximum they can have. And this is thrown out the window for single player, of course, where you will fight <laughs> armies that clearly break the food limit and don't follow your rules. And later uh, on, uh, units don't even have to be built. They can just be summoned onto the, onto the it is, Yeah, it is. Because uh, this game is really hard, which is something yeah. we will uh, talk about. Um, every race has a builder unit uh, that kind of goes through and they can harvest those things. They can also build buildings. Um, and the buildings accomplish different things. Some of them increase your food limit, as we mentioned. Other allow Others allow you to create units. Um, and most of them allow you to access this tech tree. Yes. So this tech tree, uh, by researching items that are along it, you can either improve um, existing units, research the ability to build different units, or give different abilities. So better armor, better uh, better weapons, or just kind of a new verb, uh, like a spell, or uh, like you know, like you can throw a net over flying uh, uh, poor a net. Uh, she, she was such a good accountant. <laughs> no, you, you you can throw a net over flying enemies to bring them down to the ground. Around. All yes. of those are just kind of things that are not available immediately. Uh, you know, you have to kind of make a choice for how you're going to invest in this to, you know, build the army to your specification with uh, with the resources um, at hand in the right amount of time to uh, defend yourself or make it uh, make an offensive. Yes. And, and kind of the, the final building type that we can talk about are turrets. Um, which either expand your line of sight or function as an automatic defense. Um, these are crucial, uh, yeah. at least the way I play mm-hmm. um, is very turret heavy. Yeah. Um, well, so finding <laughs> there are things that can kill somebody without taking up a food. Yeah, what one hundred percent? Like you can have as many turrets as as you want, and you can um, heal as, you, them. as you can build. Yeah, yeah you, your workers can heal them. Um, I the way I play, they are very instrumental. But as we will be revealed, uh, maybe the way I play this game is not correct because uh, <laughs> I had to cheat to bit, bypass three missions mm-hmm. uh, in this game. It is incredibly hard and is among the hardest games we've played for the show. Yes. Um, but I really love the cheat system, which we'll talk about when we get there. And it's, it's actually one of my favorite. It's like, I consider it a system. Yeah. It is a modular difficulty cheat engine kind mm-hmm. of thing. That is really, really cool. Um, so what you're doing is you're finding this balance between, uh, investing in your base and expanding, um, which is really important, finding kind of new satellite bases mm-hmm. and investing in troops, um, and kind of finding that balance and, uh, either doing one until you can do the other decisively, um, is a really big component of success in this game. Yes. And so that expansion is 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 really important because gold mines are finite. Unless you're playing as the night elves, forests go away. So yes. you know if you are just holed up in one place, you're going to undermine quite literally your kind of continued chances for success. Yes, um, and uh, uh, so you want to send people out to explore. These will either be um, generally these are combat units you're going to send out, um, even though there are some kind of exceptions, and oftentimes hero units, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, The reason why you're exploring and not just sending somebody to a uh, gold mine is because there's fog of war. Right. Um, The the black mask, which hides terrain you have not seen. And as you explore, this is uh, kind of removed for you. Yes. And then there is actual fog of war, which uh, um, uh, is where you can see the geography. Yeah, you can see the geography, but, you know, you don't have somebody there actively looking. Um, And because this is 3D, um, height determines how far you can see, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So um, as you're going out and exploring and trying to uncover as much of the map as possible, either to find resources or, uh, uh, you know, your, your enemy base, because it's not always, you know, a sure thing where they're going to be at. Um, uh, Warcraft 3 has these creeps, which are these neutral kind of monsters or combatants, um, you know, that are kind of guarding these resources around the map. Yes. And the the real function that these have, other than just guarding that, is to level up your hero. Right. Which we'll talk about. And that ends up being what Dota is. Right. Like going out creeping is like yeah. a big part of that, like going and building up your hero. Uh, because as we mentioned, we talk about this tech tree. Um, it resets at the beginning. Your hero will main, uh, maintain consistency. Your tech tree will reset at the beginning of every mission. So every mm-hmm. mission you're learning how to sharpen your spears yeah. over and over and over again. <laughs> um, and uh, here, here in Warcraft 3, certain missions will kind of limit your ability to get gold until you find, uh, um, you know, <laughs> find, find an actual source for it. Oftentimes these creeps will drop gold and this is a way for them to dole out resources for you to either buy things or recruit mercenaries and things like that yeah uh, mercenaries are out there there are mercenary camps uh where you can get kind of unique units that mm-hmm. don't belong to any of the races um which is pretty cool mostly goblins yeah mostly got yeah goblins and then also trolls yeah. uh, i run into a lot um this is all the game also has a day night cycle uh, which kind of determines line of sight determines sleep cycles um certain abilities specifically with the night elves yeah. are keyed into being uh at night because uh, that's in their name mm-hmm. and uh, is, is kind of cool. It moves pretty quick and yeah, that's I thing. found myself annoyed having to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Like it felt superfluous um, to me. And there's an element of this game where I am not good at it enough to pay attention to everything I would need to pay attention to, to be good at it. Yeah. And, the, um, like, and day and night is one of those things. It, it's, it's one of those things where like the slight advantage it confers may actually you know, offset the disadvantages that are there, but disadvantages are always going to sting more than, uh, the, the, than advantages, uh, kind of, uh, feel good. Right. It's, well, I mean, it's going to feel disproportionate, even if it's not. Well, and the reason being is because of me, like it's mm-hmm. because I'm just not going, that's a level of fiddliness. I just don't play these games with, mm-hmm. uh, same thing with activated abilities, which yeah. is a huge part of the game, but I just <laughs> yeah. don't do it. It's like if I can set it to autocast, I will. If I have to activate it, I'm going to do it like maybe three or four times. Mm-hmm. I can manage my heroes, and and then everyone else is just a bunch of meat I throw at bad guys. <laughs> so I and again, that's not the way you're supposed to play it. But I just don't have like I don't do hotkeys. Um, if I'm playing a PC game, I, I, it's it's pretty rare. Like I will, I will. Oh wow! I'll tie an enemy or an army to mm-hmm. hotkeys, but I won't tie an ability. That's to hotkeys. Uh, that's that's funny because I am all about the hotkeys. I play this thing like it's Adobe Photoshop. Oh, you're you're playing it like you're professional, man. You're playing it with the the, the strokes per minute, uh, Star, Starcraft style. I suppose um, I don't know, but like that just that feels that feels better. Like I know all the modifier keys to like select which uh, which uh, enemies in my unit I wanna I wanna use stuff like that. Like it uh like that that is satisfying to me. So if I, if I take my hand off of the mouse in this game, something has gone wrong. So it is, I just do that in if things are bad. I play this uh, sipping on a sipping on a cool frosty beer. <laughs> Leaning back, got my my SGs on, and uh, the top button <laughs> on my Bermuda shorts. Gary, what's an SG? Uh, sunglasses. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I play this game real chill, uh, which is part of the reason why I'm not good at it. Oh, you know. Uh, but I mean, to be fair, like I the the missions I had to cheat to bypass, I tried many times, and oh yeah, literally gave my all. <laughs> um, and there's something humbling about like I did the literally the best I can uh-huh. at this, and tried like five times, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> Um, so we'll, we'll get to those. Yeah. 
Yeah, so hero units, we've made a couple of oblique mentions to them. Uh, Warcraft 3 introduces them particularly this way. Like in, you know, StarCraft, you had Raynor and you had Kerrigan and you had, you know, units that had particular abilities, but this is actually like a system that you have, uh, that, you know, that's present every time you play. So they're actually uh, introduced in Warcraft 2. Oh, really? Uh, I, the expansion, the Beyond the Dark Portal, ah, shit. Uh, is where hero units got their start. But I fucked up. No, it's okay. And then it's been expanded upon every uh, every entry since. But this is the most robust. You could be forgiven when people say, like, this is the beginning of hero units. Like, you're not totally wrong because mm -hmm. in StarCraft, it's like, oh, this is a slightly better version of a unit I already have. Yeah. Um, here, they are unique. Yeah. So they're unique because they have experience and they have inventories. And, you know, this is you can really see the the, the seeds for what would eventually become World of Warcraft. Um, yeah. And I haven't played Warcraft 3 since WoW came out. So coming back to this and seeing them lay that groundwork here in this system is actually kind of bizarre. It's amazing. <laughs> like the, the, for a company that like I don't I'm not invested in their properties very much. Mm -hmm. um, I like. The line of continuity from Warcraft One to World of Warcraft is a straight, unbroken line. Yeah, and it's cr that's 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 really impressive and really bonkers to me <laughs> because like this stuff. I mean, this is in the expansion. There's a tiny little orc campaign that is a prototype for Warcraft World of Warcraft, more or less. Mm -hmm. And then there's uh, the Defense of the Ancients, which is the thing that formed Dota. Like, there's so much DNA in their current company. Yeah. In this game from 2002, and that that DNA is not just mechanical; it's also lore-wise. Like mm -hmm. the things that are referenced in, like the one of the more recent World of Warcraft expansions dealt with the characters and Fallout from that Beyond the Black Portal. <laughs> so they're doing things from Warcraft Two expansions that like yeah. nobody played. It feels like, yeah, and they're still just as important to to Blizzard, and it's kind of cool. Like. It's not like I'm not particularly interested in the lore of, uh, of Warcraft it's, stuff. I it's think kind it's kind of, of asinine. I think it's pretty shitty. Yeah. Um, like it's it's kind of like I can get it. It's melodrama. Like I can don't get invested, but it's not offensive to me. But it's not very good. And but they have committed to it whole hog, mm -hmm. and that's impressive to me. <laughs> uh, really impressive. Yeah, um, it's legitimately. Like I'm not even you know is legitimately impressive <laughs> it's like painting a rembrandt with the uh with the broadest strokes possible yeah yeah no it's um, uh but but yeah like this this is here and you know within a single campaign um you know for the for these different races you're kind of following one person all the way through so even though everybody else starts back at zero um you have kind of this this ace in the hole who can swing the tide of any individual battle like yeah they're, you know they're great like, they're like, gonna be the like the last person walking away a lot of the time yeah and, uh, and, and they're, you know, they're instrumental. The way they play is going to influence the way that you play. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they have kind of different builds. Yeah. Um, they have the four static abilities, but which ones you choose to emphasize will kind of, uh, focus on different play styles. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in, in a really kind of cool way. Um, another really kind of close analog to this is uh, a game I want to do for the show at some point is Freedom Force, mm -hmm. which doesn't have the base building or army, you know, mechanics, but it feels a lot like moving a crew of four Warcraft three heroes around a map. Yeah. And creeping like that game feels a little bit like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And they also do a really good job of like teaching you like the priorities of that individual race too. Yes. like, you know, the, the it feels very designed and very intentional, which hero and like which hero archetype they, they you know, they, they, they saddle you with. Um, mm -hmm. because like those abilities are either going to offset um, a weakness of, uh, of, of the other units or just really, really kind of like enforce you to be like, okay, you're undead. You're going to have to play offensively. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, because you have these kind of avatar characters, uh, you spend a lot of time exploring and gathering information and doing quests. There's yeah. side quests in this game because it is a 
a hybrid, you know, yeah. um, with, it is a strange the, thing for an RTS. The ubiquitous yellow exclamation mark. Yeah, it pops up. This, I think that first uh, appeared here. Um, and this is where we get our narrative, uh, which is done through these all in-engine uh, cutscenes. Um, <laughs> With just and, amazing Muppet face uh, um, unit portraits as they, they look, like as their heads loll around. And <laughs> they're not flat. that dis- dissimilar to World of Warcraft, though. Yep. Like this is more or less like it looks like World of Warcraft. Yeah. This aesthetic, like yeah, they, unified kind of aesthetic they double down on. Yeah, they totally establish the art style that yes. kind of has aged really well, I think. Like it's, it, it still it reads. It's very, it's very forward thinking where it's mm-hmm. like, it's for, so when for 2002, this game looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it being just incredible because it's like the maps are not sparse. You know, it's right. like, there's so much cool little detail on the map, like little woodland creatures that don't matter, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they went for an art style when they decided to make the MMO. They said, hey, why not, why don't we do this art style that we can do on shitty machines? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not going to be very taxing. And that was genius. Yeah. You know, like, just compare the fate of everquest 2 to 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 wow totally like <laughs> you know make your shit it's it's the game boy philosophy in a weird way like make your stuff cheap and easy yeah that you know and every you know and that's that's great um so doing these little side quests um you get a little bit more story but then you also get these extra resources or advantages yeah and uh and and like usually it involves killing monsters so your hero's gonna get more xp yeah so we should talk about combat because that kind of has been the underpinning of all of this. But uh, but it's it's kind of funny because even though this is a game about war, a lot of the time, like you said, it is just throwing meat at other meat because the fighting is done automatically. You can select up to twelve units at any given time and move them, in, you know, to a position. Um, the the kind of the default, you know, right clicking, like go here, you know, move here and attack, just puts them into a position. But then they just run and attack whatever they can at the range that is most effective. For yes. And sometimes you're going to have to get in there and get, you know, micromanage with them. Yeah. And, okay. uh, you know, you can tell people to hold position. You can tell them to patrol. Um, you can, uh, you know, you might have to call them off mm-hmm. um, of a thing, but it's not very robust, the kind of uh, orders you can give them. Yeah. Um, do you want to hear a, uh, a one sentence horror story? Cool. Yes. In Warcraft 1, you can only select four units at a time. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> imagine imagine it no oh, um yeah even though they, they took out walls which i really liked building walls in a uh, warcraft one and two yeah um so here you can do 12 units at a time and you move them to a position they attack automatically as we mentioned sometimes they will have abilities that you can make them use automatically mm-hmm. uh, some of them also have modal states yes that you can switch them to uh, so they can be in, in this mode versus that mode, and that will affect their their abilities. Yeah. And those abilities, most of them are on cooldowns. So kind of managing those and figuring out what the most advantageous time to fire them um, uh, is, is going to be is a, is a very important part of, again, swinging these battles. Cool Cooldown and uh, magic. So your yes. casters are going to actually have MP just like your heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're working with two different resources for these special abilities. Yeah. Um, you can, uh, as we mentioned, I'm not very good at hotkeys, mm-hmm. but what I, what I, I mean, where I will use hotkeys is I will group together armies. Oh yeah. So I will group together like platoons of individual units that I can switch between with hotkeys. So I do that. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. like even just like something really simple, like if I hold down control and click on a particular unit, I will select all of the enemy or all of the units of that type. Um, mm-hmm. that are here so like if i have my gunmen and they're like way too close and you know like these enemies are uh flying over top of me like past me i can select all of them to go after that while yes. keeping the, the 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 primary people up at the fray things as simple as that like knowing how to quickly select the right units and issue those commands can make a huge difference because you know you're sometimes dealing with you know units that are you know 36 48 
<laughs> yeah. You know, like just uh, just uh, thick, you know. And yeah, you, yeah those, those are some thick measurements I like yeah. right there. 36, 48, 36. You just described a far side character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, so, so being able to do that, and it's also like in kind of general rules, uh, you want your, your ranged attackers can all attack the same unit. Mm-hmm. Because they won't get into each other's way, um, your melee attackers will have to stand in line to attack the same unit. Mm-hmm. So you want your melee to kind of be paired with support mm-hmm. and be in smaller groups. And your range attackers, you can put twelve gunmen or twelve archers <laughs> and just have them decimate shit. And it's funny because they're all kind of on the same uh, the same TikTok. They're on the same timer, so your gunmen will all fire at once and just yep. you know in in just two in two volleys take down yep. you know some some really powerful units. Um. So the uh, these units have kind of a rough um, rock, paper, scissors kind of relationship between them where their units and their units built to counter those units or counter certain buildings, et cetera. Um, the frozen fr- fr- uh, throne doubles down on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially what we're doing is you have a kind of range versus melee, um, whether it can hit flying as well yeah. is a really big, uh, big kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there are air to air units. Um, so it's, it's really, it's like rock, paper, scissors, but with like seven different things. Yeah. Seven or eight different it, things. It is rock, paper, scissors, scissors without being as simplistic as, say, like a fire emblem. Yes. Yeah, it, exactly. It's not that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more complicated. And they, when I say they double down on that complexity in the Frozen Throne, that is also a place where I kind of lose it. Mm-hmm. Where like anti, you know, entirely anti-air units that can't attack the ground become hugely important. Yeah. Um, things like that. And that gets, again, just kind of hard. That's just for yeah. somebody who, you know, you have people who pick a race and play it and, you know, just somebody who uh, just wants to kind of get to know a new friend a, yeah. a, a little bit like that. Like, I, I've never been at that point in, you know, uh, an appreciation of an RTS. I think that like going from Starcraft to Brood War is probably the most like, oh, like there, there, <laughs> there are things in here that, that make the Zerg actually competitive, which is great. I, I think Brood, Brood War is really hard for me to play as well. Yeah. Like, I have a hard time with Brood War. I think it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the end of StarCraft is really hard because I, I find these games hard even though I enjoy them. <laughs> um, but then it just ends up a, like a level of fiddliness that I can't quite. There's a thing about the visual read of these games, like the melees yeah. in these games being able to be like, okay, this is that unit. I know I need to ten- take in this unit. Mm-hmm. And specifically target that. And some of it is my fault and some of it is down to a mechanical level mm-hmm. where just being able to, in real time, select my units which i can do with hotkeys but direct them and have them click on the right thing rather than yeah, making them yeah. attack like a, a building that's nearby on accident or a ground unit that's nearby um is just hard to do in real time before it becomes too late um <laughs> yeah. there's a there's a wonderful uh gif which i'm not going to challenge you to find because you know Star- starcraft gifts uh who knows if you're ever going to be able to find them but i just saw one it was starcraft 2 uh, a very very competitive play and uh, it was the, the opening gambit, right? You know, you have mm. the, your your crystals, and then you have your SCVs, your worker units for the Terrans. And uh, the guy's, like, just, you know, firing, motoring away. And he accidentally doesn't click on the uh, the right cluster of crystals, and then he quits, like, immediately. Oh. <laughs> he uses the, those APM skills to quit because that, that click was so important yep. that, uh, that even missing that, he knew that 45 minutes later, the other person probably didn't fuck that up, and that's going to be all of it. That's insane to me. Yeah. Like that is, is, is just such a level of like mastery that I have no, I'm impressed by, but have no interest in achieving myself. Yeah. Um, your units heal and, uh, either through spells or naturally. So mm-hmm. you can retreat. Retreat is always an option. 
Um, you don't have to just throw things, you know, at the wall and sacrifice them. Mm-hmm. Um, you can retreat and you can also kind of hide between, behind those static defenses and rebuild an army. Yeah. Um, and several of the missions encourage you to kind of take multiple passes at things. Like you can do that one big definitive sweep, but sometimes you can't. Yeah. And you need to send in a backup army or you need to rebuild and try it again while they're still rebuilding. Yeah. My so. instinct when I play these games is to do the big massive army, just like to focus on the defense and build up all of my tech trees so that I don't even waste any of the finite resources that I have on building an inferior version of a unit. Yeah. Um, or building, you know, building the wrong thing. Um on this playthrough, I attempted to kind of like lean into what the game was trying to goad me into doing um, with the non-standard mission types and just not turtle as much as possible. And yeah. that was pretty rewarding, I think, to actually like keep a rotating almost assembly line of, uh, you know, assailants on the on enemy bases and stuff like that. Like, you know, I am going to feel comfortable leaving this group here to auto fight while I go back and kind of set another waypoint so the reinforcements are going to arrive like that mm-hmm. is an unnatural way for me to play and I think that paid off it creates drama too like this idea that you can have a cavalry come in right right at the last minute mm-hmm. and save the day is really cool um, it's also really fun to like send your hero units like a small kind of strike force and be like listen this mission we're going to kill as many peasants as we can and fuck up this gold mine <laughs> yep like we're going to disrupt their their build you know, their build ability. And until mm-hmm. the end of the game where the bad guys straight up just cheat constantly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say that not in a derisive way. I mean, that that's literally what's happening. They don't have to follow the rules of the game. Right. Um, up until that point, that's really effective. It is. And like, it's, <laughs> it feels so like it's unrewarding in the moment, but like on that second or third run after you kill those peasants, you can see, like, yeah, you can, you, you can yeah, tell. They have not rebuilt yeah. like as much as you would think. And that's how you outpace them. And it's really fun to play that kind of long game mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, so, so, uh, th- none of this stuff applies in multiplayer, as we mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have played multiplayer Warcraft 3 against friends. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is whoever is the most aggressive tends to win, mm-hmm. um, just because we're not good players right. at it. And then, uh, we stop playing it and we do co-op against the computer and it's really fun. Yes. Cause my, my friend also has a little town he's designed mm-hmm. and I can go visit my undead buddy <laughs> and then my night elves can hang out over here and that's yeah. fun. Yeah. You know, it is like way more fun to me to play. I don't like, competitive games really yeah. comp stops um, is what we call them in starcraft when yes. i play them with my buddies and that's fun yeah i think that i think it's a good time yep i do not even when i'm playing against other people i don't uh, i don't cotton to the no rush 15 yeah 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 um but yeah, yeah. and then, um it also so this game came with a map editor as well mm-hmm. uh which the community has picked up and ran away with um either they made new scenarios which are which are fair or new story content mm-hmm um, and something that I recently found out is that uh, StarCraft 2 shipped with all the assets from Warcraft 3 and high res. Oh, Jesus. So people can, yeah, they just gave that away for free, which is pretty crazy. Um, and again, is really awesome. So people can still make new Warcraft 3 stuff uh, that looks good. <laughs> like it's not, I don't think it's in, I think it's in the StarCraft engine. I think you can make, mm-hmm. use the StarCraft 2 engine to make cool Warcraft 3 maps if you like dragons more than spaceships. Huh. Which I do. Um, so, uh, that's pretty rad. I've never experimented yeah. with it, but I think mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. When I, when I put fair in quotes, I think that like, you know, during my time, uh, when I was playing a lot of Warcraft three multiplayer, like a lot for like a, somebody who was in high school at the very mm-hmm. least, um, you know, just, there were maps that were just kind of like final destination, no items, like no okay. creeps. Uh, here's just uh, a bunch of bases arrayed in a wheel and, you know, we're going to put you there on your little, on, on your little island and you're just going to find the other people. Um, and yeah. that is not joyful for me. No, no. I like the, the, the detail. Yeah. 
Like I like the detail and I like uh, imbalance. Like you know, mm-hmm. balance in a uh, in a game is not always my favorite thing. Yeah, and that you know, people will will, will, will bristle at that. But well, I mean, it's just fine. Like yeah. I'm not playing it for that reason. Yeah, me too. You know, like it is a. It's the same thing with like it's the re- like, reason why Isaac has so much staying power for me is it's like mm-hmm. it's not balanced. Like the characters are not balanced. The items are not balanced. But like that feeling of getting a little bit ahead of the curve is so good. <laughs> and that feeling of like winning despite being behind the curve is so good. Why would you try to eliminate that? Mm-hmm. You know, both of those situations can be immensely satisfying. And yeah. I don't understand the idea to flatten every kind of, you know, bristly corner like that. Yeah. You know, like it, it's in, you know, there may be a race that is mathematically better mm-hmm. of, of these races, but like I, I appreciate all of their individual flavors. Yeah. You know, and like I, I sometimes I want to play like a different way. Yeah, and they, they they feel different enough that like your preferences for how you want to play will definitely cause you to be attracted to one over the other. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and that that's to be celebrated in my mind. Yeah, those little the, 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 that that unevenness. It feels like there's like kind of a, kind of a, a pairing here because remember in Portal Two uh, or in the Portal episode where we were talking about how much that was fo- that was focus tested, like mm-hmm. the difference between does this. Does this polish to a shine, or does this just kind of take the ed- like take the uh, the edges off? Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like it's polished to a shine, and yeah. you know, just in a, in a way that something that is otherwise balanced to be completely equal, just with different paint, does feel like it's like it just has the, the the teeth taken out. Yeah, this this is definitely a better version of that, and trying to get rid of that, you know, by by Final Destination, no itemizing it. Yeah. Uh, seems, but I, I don't play Smash Brothers that way either. I, yeah. Why would you ever not want to like have Pokeballs <laughs> fall from the sky? Right. And like sometimes you get a fucking rad wob of it. <laughs> like, why would you ever take that away from yourself? I don't understand. Um, but again, I'm not a competitive. Yep, I don't play games competitively. It's different, not, uh, different priorities. You're, if if your if your joy is to make other people lose so you can win, like good on you, I guess. Like <laughs> if that's what your goal is, um, yeah. you know, like like is it, it kind of plays into like like a larger kind of thinking I've been having about challenge like this came up in the portal thing too. And I think that's what it is. It's like, I just want that challenge of defeating a person. It's going to be the hardest way to do it. Mm -hmm. I've accomplished something. Yeah. But that's pretty, it's pretty rare that I feel that way about a video game. Right. Like where it's just like, you know, even like, you know, like I like hard games. I like dark souls. Um, it's pretty rare that like, even when I do like challenge runs in dark souls, I don't feel like, man, Oh yes, yes, I did it. (laughs) I have something or something. That was, that was fun and interesting. Like that was an interesting way to experience this thing. I like, it's Mm -hmm. not about, aggrandizing myself or putting a medal on or something like that beta boys um, <laughs> yeah it's beta boys yeah i will i will you know beta boy until i die um <laughs> yeah. yeah um so talking about competitive you know competition and uh the the map editor we uh m- mentioned this earlier but uh defense of the ancients dota uh began as a total conversion mod that was built in this world editor so it wasn't blizzard it was a team i think based out of scandinavia that just kind of took some elements like the ancients are things in night elf lore i think or something like that and Mm -hmm. you know messed around with the rules and changed the way the maps are put together and created like the most popular genre in online play right now uh further and i always forget about this but there is a bonus map in the frozen throne that is a tower defense map Mm. and that may be the first tower defense Hmm. um, which is another genre that this this ridiculous artifact of like (laughs) gaming importance birthed um i don't know that's the first tower defense but i remember it's the first time i saw it and i think it's been you know, if I'm saying that and it's not correct, I'm repeating something I read. Yeah. Um, it just occurred to me now this wasn't part of the research. So, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that there's a bonus map that is a tower defense that is the first kind of recognized tower defense. That's great. What like, and I love tower defense. Like, mm-hmm. I think tower defense is a, a really good way to waste some time. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's a really, really cool. 
Um, we mentioned a little bit the two Warcraft games before and Starcraft and Brood Wars. Um, these strategy franchises kind of play off each other um, and go back and forth. And it is really cool that they are still supporting them and doing things with them. Yeah. Whereas Blizzard never needs to do anything other than WoW again if they don't want to. Right. It's it's kind of funny how how Blizzard playing Starcraft and Warcraft off, off of each other kind of you know was mirrored a little bit later with Bethesda and uh, uh, oh gosh Elder Scrolls and Fallout. Mm-hmm. You know, here yeah. are these two similar things that are sci-fi and fantasy, and like they very much are taking the learnings from one and applying them to the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of leapfrogging forward. Yeah, um, you know, which is uh, again very cool. Um, we mentioned uh, the Frozen Throne, which we're not going to talk about that much, but more units, another hero unit for each race mm-hmm. and uh, naval battles, and then that weird proto World of <laughs> Warcraft that's part of that. Um, that is actually, if I remember, very boring. Mm. Um, which because I think World of Warcraft is kind of boring. <laughs> um, the uh, so it. it it has that. Um, we are, and this game, uh, story-wise, right where this ends is right where World of Warcraft picks up in the lore. Yeah. Um, and every like everything that's introduced in here uh, is part of the World of Warcraft kind of mythos. Yeah. Like, you're going to see this. You're in the world of Azeroth. And, yes. like, continent names and races and cities, like, you know, cities that are laid siege to here show up sieged later on. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think and, the... Again, that respect for their history is just... Like it's, and because the history is so like dumb, like it is again, like asinine is the word for it. It's like, but it, they're so committed to it that mm-hmm. I like, I can't help but admire it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I dig it. And so like, wow, I, we don't need to describe what that is. Did you play yeah. like, th- did you ever cram jam any of that? Um, I haven't played any wow seriously. Um, I've picked it up and kind of messed with it a little bit. Yeah. Um, I never had like a, a period where I played it seriously though. Yeah. Um, and that was not. That was in, so I, when I kind of picked it up and played it, it was within the last year. Hmm. Um, cause for a long time I hadn't played it at all and I just kind of knew about it, but I was over at a buddy's house and like, I was like, Hey, can I make a character and do this? <laughs> um, you know, and just like, uh, and he had a, I don't know exactly how it works. Like he had a slot. Hmm. I don't know if they limit your characters, but I was able to do it. Um, so I made a, I did the character creation and then ran around and did some quests. Yeah. And, uh, it's a, it's an MMO with cooldowns. Mm-hmm. Um, it plays like that. I played it for about five years, uh, tail end of uh, high school and then college. I think I stopped stopped after Cataclysm, not for any reason, um, other mm-hmm. than just, yeah, figured I it's needed... It's a perpetual ver- game. Yeah, I just say I wanted... That costs ver- $15 like, a month. <laughs> I wanted variety, you know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I, I never, like, I never rated or anything like that. It was very much just, like, I want to see what the mid-game for this race looks like. Yeah. You know, just starting alts and doing different stuff and farting around, around with friends. Uh, followed some of my EverQuest guild over to that. It was just like, yeah, I'll... <laughs> An MMO was part of my life until it wasn't, so... It's, um... The part of this that is following it like the character continuity mm-hmm. of wow is appealing to me yes um the part of me that is just the treadmill like what if i get an item with a bigger plus to it mm-hmm. and that's why you do these kind of raids to get that end game equipment yeah. that part is not interesting to me yeah. i understand that's where the game becomes strategically alive and like you can think of it in terms like of building a party like we just need to shore up these weaknesses and have these strengths to fight this dragon or what have you um i get that you know, I get the appeal of that and that being a cooperative thing, I get that as well. The reward is never going to be good enough for me. Again, I don't have that like feeling of accomplishment from doing something hard right. necessarily. Um, I don't want that, that plus 21 armor instead of my plus 18 armor I'm already wearing. Right. You know, that's just not going to do it for me. So, um, but again, just the, how in, emphasizing how important this game is, we don't need to tell you how important World of Warcraft is. <laughs> right. It's on, un, it's unreasonably important. And this game is the start of that. And that's again, just really impressive. Yeah. So, 
Um, in a weird way, it's weird that we are just now doing this game, given that it has its it's the roots of so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's cool to get into it, and let's uh, and let's get into it. With the prologue campaign, the Exodus of the Horde. Yes. So I don't have a plot section in the notes here, just because we're going to get to so much of it. And really, all you need to know is, you know, previous to this game, there, you know, in the uh, in Warcraft Two, uh, the orcs and the humans had clashed, and uh, the humans had summarily defeated the orcs and put them in internment camps. Like, yes, that is the big thing. A lot of them were kind of sent back to the dimension from which they came. Um, and learning that orcs came from, like, are basically aliens here on Earth was very weird. But uh, that's totally the case. So now we have these kind of, like, domesticated orcs that are kind of still led by, you know, these deposed warlords here within the camps. Um, and we're going to be playing as, um, uh, whenever we're playing as orcs, uh, Thrall, who uh, becomes a big fixture in the WoW continuity. But here he... Uh, um, uh, encounters this crow who is speaking to him, talking about this about this prophecy about rallying the horde and leading them to their destiny. It's a the, that thing about the orcs being other dimensional mm-hmm. kind of things is really kind of important uh, because it's this game is the Warcraft stuff is as generic fantasy as you can get until you kind of start dealing with that, <laughs> right? Like the it's not just like there are humans and there are monsters, right? It's there are humans and there are demons, yeah. And I still don't think that's handled in a particularly interesting way but it's more interesting than just like straight up tolkien you know kind of nonsense yeah like it's it's way less basic than it could be Mm -hmm. um but anyway so this crow says hey uh this is your destiny the horde um so you follow this crow and it's teaching you you're in a developer tutorial with a man with a very relaxing voice Um, (laughs) who is very obviously talking into a stick mic that is plugged into a quarter or into an eighth inch jack (laughs) yeah Um, just, uh, yeah, the like low, uh, low fidelity sound, um, <laughs> telling you, teaching you about movement and kind of how heroes level up yeah. and giving you abilities. You're fighting Murlocs, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. And eventually you run, you get to the thrall at the end game, which is like, why did he make you follow him? Uh, <laughs> to tell you, uh, that you had to leave Lordaeron and head to Kalimdor in order to fight these coming, coming demons. Yes. And so chapter two introduces this quest log, right? And uh, gives you the introduction to this base building because these humans, they show up and they, uh, they're, they're not at all happy. And they have, uh, started taking, uh, taking your tribe's people hostage. So you're trying to mount a defense to go and rescue your tribesmen, um, in order to, uh, in order to escape. Including Grom Hellscream. Yep. Uh, who is, uh, <laughs> Grom Starscream and Hellscream. God. Yeah. Grom. Hell scream. Yeah. Um, is his, is his name <laughs> whisper into ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Grom, uh, you rescue him and that's kind of set up the, the central conflict that we end up having. And one of the things I like about this game is that no races are kind of other than the undead really. And even then are presented as a monolithic force. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, there's a little bit of shade. Again, this is not like good writing. <laughs> it might be good broad stroke storytelling though. Yeah. Like in kind of hitting the points, it does a good job with very little meaningful characterization or nuance. Mm-hmm. But the actual kind of broad strokes, like no no race is just kind of this is good versus bad. <laughs> There's just know? enough internal conflict to like to to, to put some uh, to put some ripples on the surface. Right? Yeah, just a little bit. Like yeah. it still feels a little bit like baby's first story, <laughs> but. Is a little bit there. But what if somebody looked like you but didn't agree with you? <laughs> what do we do? Um, 
politics. <laughs> hey, topical. Hey-o. Those clowns in Washington. Uh, Was- Washington. <laughs> You're a stinky yeah. cave boy. You need a bath. <laughs> yeah. Those clowns. In, those, yeah. Stand, stand in front of this elephant. Tomba. Yeah. He's yeah. going to spray you. When the Don't worry. It's been in his nose. Well. Symbol. Don't worry, it's been in his nose. Yeah. Don't worry, it's clean. It's it's elephant clean. It's a it's a, it's a sterile elephant. We you can, you, we you can drink out of this proboscis. We pulled him. We pulled him out of a sealed packet. Yeah, it's, it's a medical elephant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> That's him spraying water out of his disgusting fucking floppy proboscis. Elephants are gross. I'm just gonna say it. I mean, they're cool, they're impressive, but man, are trunks gross? <laughs> there's a uh, <laughs> there's a very fun fun image you can find that is uh, it's it's elephants without their ears or their or their uh, trunks, and they look okay. horrifying. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I believe it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm glad we don't have trunks as people. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, but but if we but if we were Draenor, uh, oh, they, they don't sh- no they don't have trunks. Shit. Anyway, but I mean, what would we be? I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Also, a different shade of like mysterious and evil. Um, <laughs> so you're kind of going through, this is where you're introduced to caster units, um, <laughs> the shaman of the orcs, and uh, destroying guard towers as well. Not only are you building a base, but you're also assaulting a base. Yes. And uh, you steal the human ships on your way out <laughs> to, uh, to get out of here. This is just a prologue, uh, setting things up for the human campaign. Introduced in the king's court, and they're arguing about how to handle the horde's movements. Um, the horde has moved on. This prophet flies in and tells the humans, "You need to go west to Kalimdor," but they ignore him because he's <laughs> awful. Um, I don't care that you can turn into a crow. Yeah, <laughs> like w- there's literally an entire race of people who turn into crows. Mm-hmm. We're gonna meet them later. Also, I can summon water elementals. Also, even the characters in this game are bored with prophecies. Mm-hmm. Like, end prophets 2016. <laughs> Like I never need to no see another prophecy in game. Negative. Yeah, it is uh, such a boring motivation and is so lazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unless you're doing something interesting with it, um, it is super boring. Yeah, you know, like just you, you got to be playing some Morrowind level game with prophecy. Yeah, exactly. And then it's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, Homestar Runner's back. With the sense <laughs> of strong bad. <laughs> I was gonna say, oh, you saw the Marzipan uh, message? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Don't buy it. Yeah. So <laughs> the defense of Strawn Brad, uh, we're introduced to. <laughs> Dude, do you have a pickle jar? Needs to be open? No? Okay. <laughs> I was, uh, I, I, I held the record for shot put. Yeah. I'm a, <laughs> they, 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 they tell you to stay put, you know. Yeah, but uh, that's yeah. a little joke. Yeah. Later. 
he on a is he on a Vespa? Yeah, he's on he's on he's on a Lance. It's his one indulgence. Yeah, my little wife told me not to buy it, but uh, but that's they don't call me Strong Brad for nothing. Strong <laughs> so, Brad. The names of every I'm just gonna say the names of everything in this game like in that voice because they're all like that. Yep. Strong Brad. <laughs> so we're introduced to two paladins. Right, we have Uther. Uh, who is a dwarven paladin. Mm-hmm. When we say humans, it's really the, the alliance. It is yeah. a, a, a loose consortium of humans and uh, human sympathizers, I suppose. D&D and, classes, other than half-orc. Yes. And we also have Prince Arthas. Arthur, huh? Wait a minute. Yes. I think well, he's meant to be a hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, and he is a, a really important character. Um, and this is, they're setting up their very broad strokes here of the fiery young man mm-hmm. and the, uh, uh, kind of wise conservative older man right here. Um, so you guys kind of, ha- uh, you guys are heading to, uh, defending the village of Strongbrad. Um, along the way, you run into a bandit lord introducing this kind of creep mm-hmm. mechanic. And, uh, when you get there, the Blackrock clan has already got the village and run them out. Uh, but they have slaves, which you need to go rescue. Yeah, so you need to kind of like go base to base, and this is something they, you know, really wise that they do uh, when they introduce uh, each of these campaigns. When you're playing as a new race, they don't start you out on building right away. Like mm-hmm. this is just getting getting you used to the hero units and whatever support that you have as you kind of like go around and explore the map. Like each of these each of these missions or chapters is going to introduce uh, something a little bit uh, a little bit different, like one new mechanic at most. The um the curves are really good, yeah. In general, I think. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like they introduce things at exactly the right pace. Yeah. So. Yep. So chapter two is Black Rock and Roll. Right. This is the Black Rock Clan. We got to go and find more of them. We need to parlay with the orc leader. Um, but the horses come back empty. So Arthas, again, he is he is Anakin. Right. He wants vengeance. But Uther explains that they are Jedi. And so yeah. he, uh, <laughs> he he lets me lead the attack. So don't be so angry. Vengeance is not the way of the paladin. Here, have all these weapons and these dudes. Go show them what for. Be emotionless <laughs> because that's that's the way to to be about this stuff. Um, and this is your first base building. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very basic. It's like build three farms and uh, a building to build units and build like six knights. Yeah, and that's it. Um, so we should do. Do we want to talk a little bit about like broad strokes of the humans because like they are Ken and Ryu mixed into one. Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're the closest to the humans in StarCraft, um, and they're almost unchanged from Warcraft Two, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, humans have a couple of different uh, traits. So uh, their buildings are very sturdy. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the highest defense in the game, so they build very sturdy forts. Um, they uh, they can build quickly. They can pile up peasants on one building, mm-hmm. which no other race can do that. Yeah. So you can actually kind of sacrifice resources to get something built quickly, yeah. um, which is useful. Um, other than in their actual units, though, they kind of just hit the strokes. Right. You know, they, they're, they're tailored towards defensive play. Right. Um, you kind can- of turtling up. Definitely. Like even in the early game where like a lot of races like the undead are very crippled in the early game. But yes. here uh, with, you know, with, with, with these guys, you have the ability to kind of like call your peasants, your your workers in as militia to, oh, get yeah. them, to get them some armor. So you can just kind of like mount a defense. It pulls all of your uh, pulls all of your uh, workers away. You like you're no longer gathering resources. But like if you don't have enough footmen uh, together, then that is uh, <laughs> that, like that is a huge differentiator. Um, and additionally yes. with those footmen, the, the, like that's one of those modal units, you can research uh, a defensive, um, kind of stance for them where you sacrifice mobility for, shield kind of, ball. yeah, for like shield ball, like a, like a phalanx. 
Yeah, huge, huge defense against ranged units. Yeah. So they can actually close the distance. They're not automatically outpaced mm-hmm. uh, by ranged units. Um, the uh, the humans, unlike the other units, uh, when they make a turret, um, and this is this is true of the undead as well, but you have to pay to upgrade it mm-hmm. to actually shoot, yeah. um, which is a, an added expense, um, which kind of counteracts that and balances it a little bit. They are the one of... I don't know. I think the undead do this at all. Um, they can heal with their their casters, um, so they're the easiest unit to heal with. And they have yes. the priest unit, yep. uh, which is very useful, and they have a very powerful debuff. Um, these are my favorite casters in the game. Yeah, um, are the human set of the priest and the sorceress. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like like yeah, you have like a backup battalion of these guys, pretty much wherever you're going, because yeah. they are so versatile. And even just throwing a, a, a priest in with a unit of, of footmen will extend their life quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, healing is never as easy to come by as it is when you're playing no. as a human, especially in the campaign. It's very smart of them to put that right out on uh, on Front Street, yep. so to speak. Um, and then, uh, so their kind of big melee unit is the knight, which also has the highest armor. Knights mm-hmm. are great. Um, when I said knights earlier, I meant footmen. I didn't realize knight was a proper term. Um, and the hero units we're going to actually deal with, um, and this are Arthas who is a paladin, uh, who is essentially a, like a support unit. Um, he can heal his buddies, and he has an aura that makes his buddies more defensive. Yes. Um, and we'll also be dealing with Jaina, mm-hmm. um, who is a mage, um, who can summon water elementals and kind of do kind of big blast spells. Yeah, so she uh, she can bolster your forces or kind of just take out anybody who's like weakened. It's it's best to like use that as like mop, like a mop up almost. Yeah, the the kind of blizzard spell or um it's really good if you that's a good thing to put down right out next to a gold mine mm-hmm. or like in the place between a, a lumber mill and a gold mine hmm. where you can damage the building and kill a lot of peasants hmm. uh that way yeah so yeah um not really that uh that, that big on flying units you really just kind of have the gyrocopter uh mm-hmm. for them like the, and that like that is never like strong enough like they don't have anything like the orcs where like you can lead a force of those they're pretty much always going to be there as uh as uh, as support players or the undead which i i love the undead flying unit yes the, uh, the ice dragons yep. which are amazing um yeah so that, that's the basics it's a defensive kind of basic ryu class leaning a little bit more towards defense and healing and turtling right um again in the single player Yep. Don't, uh, don't yell at us <laughs> if they're like, no, no, the peasant rush is a real, and I'm like, I don't know. Um, but anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah, so uh, this illusion of a blade master shows up and tells you that the demons will come soon, and uh, we just think that it's rhetoric. Yeah. Right? Like, we just think that it's just like, oh, this is prophecy bullshit, which, like, it is bullshit, <laughs> but not the way you think. Um, yep. And, uh, and you head back to the base here. Yeah. So you see them sacrifice some people in order to appease their demon gods? I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> but, uh yeah. Who who even knows what the demons want in this game? Yeah, like, just who even like who gets it? Yeah. Not me. Who is demon dog? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so you're introduced to another kind of unit here. These uh, these these uh, dwarven dragon hunters who are the uh, the oh gosh the uh, artillery the artillery yes. men. the um, riflemen and and, uh, and riflemen as well. Um, and you can do a little quest for them to go uh, and and hunt some dragons. Which yes, please. I don't care yeah. if my men are being sacrificed. I want to. No, I you know. For- I, I will go kill a dragon. Yeah. Forge my weapons and fire, please. Yes. Um, and it also gives you riflemen to have. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have to defeat the blade master at this yeah. sacrifice pit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the blade master, which we'll see later, um, he splits himself in two, creates an illusory double, double yeah. of himself. And uh, so you just have to know which one to attack. Um, there's really no clue. Um, so I ended up splitting my, my kind of forces yeah. between the two. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. But that's your hero to hero combat. Yep. Yeah. Um, chapter three, uh, Gina's meeting. 
Yeah, actually, I think that is. Uh, I was I was incorrect. This is ravages of the plague. It is. You have these like little interludes that are just people in town. But uh, but yeah, it's Jaina's meeting leading into the uh, the. Oh, you're right. Yeah, this, this and Jaina, Jaina's meeting doesn't she just like uh, <laughs> eavesdrop on somebody talking to the fucking prophet? Yep, she she eavesdrops okay. like the like the prophet comes back and wants to talk to King Antonidas. <laughs> Seriously, like, are you still like? Come on, man, you're gonna miss the boat. <laughs> Crows are cool. You got to get on the boat. And then just Jaina's like, I'm sorry. And it's like, ah, oh, yes, I rely on you to, to eavesdrop young Jaina. Because <laughs> uh, I am wise, but good. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. it'd be a shame if anything happened to me, wouldn't it? But then we get to ravages of the plague because yes. the plague is kind of the driving plot point of this this act. Yeah. So there's yeah. a there, there's a plague happening here in these uh, on these countryside villages. And there are these uh, you're, we're sent out to investigate kind of the first sides of these. And we have a, kind of an artificial reason to explore most of the map because the bridge is broken. So you need to take this kind of more more dangerous route, um, which will take you to an optional quest to get this fountain of health, which when one of these is present, that changes the shape of the map. What's super useful for these um, these non base because units are not replaceable. Right. Right. Like you can die on these, uh, these things, especially the dungeons that come later mm-hmm. from attrition. Yeah. Like you can, you can use it uh, so much so that I got very conservative with my units. Oh yeah. Like I just sent my hero out most of the time mm-hmm. and just soloed as much as I possibly could. Yeah. Um, which is hard for Arthas because he's not very good at so- soloing. Right. Unless you're fighting um, the undead. Yeah. Um, so you end up, uh, speaking of which, you find a village that has been turned undead. Yeah. So now, now you're getting into the business of raising these villages and the uh, kind of the ghouls that are, that have uh, are arisen in the place of the of the footmen and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. So um, it gets a little bit easier to conserve them to, to conserve your footmen because you get the uh, the defendability, and you really just have to make do with whatever units the mission throws your way. They're very uh, studied about how what they throw at you and when. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always worried about it more than I needed to. Yeah. And these missions always tend to have uh, healing wards as well mm-hmm. and uh, healing scrolls that they give you so you can heal units. And Arthas is really good anyway because he can, if you wait long enough, you can heal all of your guys. Right. Um, so the, you find this granary, the land around it is dying. I'm um, thinking like maybe they sabotaged our grain. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where you're introduced to those elven priests, um, as we mentioned. And they say, hey, there's another infected granary that way. Um, let's go there. I'm, I'm going to join you. You get the priests who can heal. And you head over there and we meet uh, Kel'Thuzad. Yes, who is one who, of these demon lords. Yes, he's a very important character. He tells the undead to flee, um, but you do have to fight an abomination, which is their giant melee unit. Yep. Yeah. Which is sewed together from a bunch of corpses. Yes. Yeah. Um, I like when we can make those guys. <laughs> um, yeah. Moving on to chapter four, the cult of the damned. Yes. So we are headed towards this bigger city. We're at this, uh, the, the outskirts of Andor Hall. Um, mm-hmm. and these, uh, these cultists are, are corrupting a mine, right? And so they're entrenched here. So you need to, you need to entrench yourself and, you know, set up a base. Yes. Um, so you, you destroy the small base, um, uh, of theirs while, uh, setting up your own base mm-hmm. in order to get more gold. And this is our first kind of base to base undead fight. Yes. And that is the majority of who you're going to be fighting for the rest of this, uh, campaign. Yeah. The undead are the villain of this, uh, of this campaign. Yeah. Um, even though there are a couple of like twists on that. Yeah. So, yeah, you're just kind of getting used to, you know, fighting an enemy that can throw a lot of numbers at you right now and uh, kind of like thrives on these debuffs. Yeah. And the, and the undead kind of their thing, we'll talk about them in generalities when we get to them, but their kind of signature ability is this raised skeleton ability. So mm-hmm. as the battle goes on, they get stronger. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. it is uh, if you can do a definitive victory mm-hmm. of the undead, you want to. So, um, Kel'Thuzad in his little villain speech here, after you take out enough of these, uh, the, these, uh, corrupted, uh, minds, he says like, yeah, you know, he is, uh, spreading the plague in the name of Malganus. It was another Malganus. Malganus. That is the, uh, the PVP server I played on in WoW. 
Oh, hey. Yeah. Um, and uh, he tells me to seek him out in Stratholme, right? Like, haha, come meet me. Um, they're goading you along, specifically Arthas. Um, yes. And, you know, here's another granary, but the shipments have already gone out. No. Yep. Pretty intense. You have to, you have to go take it. Um, and this point is very obviously the player that you're being baited. Yes. Why? Because you are a pawn of prophecy. <laughs> yes. Um, in chapter five, March of the Scourge. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you go head to Hearthglen, they're preparing for battle. Um, however, you find out that the grain from Anderhal was already distributed. It's too late. And your men turn into undead. Yeah. Um, and I really like this mission. Oh, this is um, great. I love any of these. They, they do this in Starcraft really famously. And there's kind mm-hmm. of a tribute mission to this and all of the later Blizzard RTSs as well, mm-hmm. um, where it's the survival mission. Yes. Um, yeah, which is super- <laughs> it's it's funny because like, you think, oh, gosh, 30 whole minutes. I, I was keeping track of how long each of these missions was taking me and like 30 minutes is nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're much longer and it also goes by really fast yeah. because they, they pace these really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, you just have to hold out. Yeah. Uh, for 30 minutes. <laughs> and it's funny because, you, you know, because you have that moment where your men turn, you're kind of like starting out at a, at a very marked disadvantage. So mm-hmm. you're trying to like rebuild um, to this point as like everything is turning on you. Yes. Um, there's also this little pressure. Another thing tempting you to leave, you know, so you can't just turtle up literally mm-hmm. for 30 minutes because there's a grain caravan that is heading out to these outer villages and you can stop that in time. And yeah. it has kind of an undead escort mm-hmm. that you have to kill. Yeah. Um, but the big thing is, you know, we get down to this and the game is going to keep doing this trick and it always kind of works. Like I always mm-hmm. like it, um, except for the last one, which it is impossible to win, <laughs> right. um, is that there's a huge push at the end. And like, if it, you're, you're going to barely make it is the yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> this is where it's worth noting that, uh, you can save and you should save very often. Yes. Um, at least that is my recommendation, especially on these very long missions, um, because there's no limit and you can just name it like before 10 minutes, 15 minutes, stuff like that. Yeah, because this is um, like like all RTS is just like that gif you're telling me of, <clears throat> telling us about, like there is a problem where you can fuck yourself over and not know that you fucked yourself over yeah. for another 40 minutes. And that's too much time to waste. Yes, I, I, I do not cotton to wasting 40 minutes of my precious time. So I will save yeah. more than that. I will say, though, that like compared to something like a Master of Orion or, you know, any other other kind of like strategy ass thing that we've covered like mm-hmm. that's the distance between you fucked up and you feel it is pretty short. Mm-hmm. Like it like it is it is a little bit more forgiving, a little um, bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I just I didn't notice that being very much the case, which is like a bad break that would. Yeah, uh, I'm, yeah I mean, it can happen like I don't want to lose an entire army uh, because I, I took a risk. Yeah. You know? I want to try that risk and see if I, I do it or not, you know, yeah. see if I make it, but I want to be able to kind of go back and you can always restart as well. You can restart every mission. Mm-hmm. Um, after this massive push, Althar arrives, uh, Althar kind of arrives to, uh, save the day mm-hmm. here. And Arthas is full on, you know, uh, Anakin Sp- Skywalker mode. Yeah. It's like he's and becoming some kind of death knight. It is true. He is, a, he is a, the, the knight of death, um, <laughs> heading to the undead capital, which like there's an undead capital, uh, to, to take down their I'm leader. Down. I, I'm down. It's still pretty silly. Take me to the skeleton king. Like to the, to the skeleton zoning zoning board. <laughs> like when I'm gonna Jerry Water District. Yeah, like uh, the the skeleton town council of, of the the ghoul district. Uh, because uh, you you can't have uh, skeletons within fifty feet of a ghoul zone. Like. Uh. 
<laughs> Anywho, um, so you're headed, so he he's in full vengeance mode. Yes, Sorath is is on the road to vengeance, and we're into chapter six, the culling, as he um, meets with the prophet um, on the road to Stratholme. He says, like, you need to lead your people across the sea to the west. You're on a fool's errand, but no, I know. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not like I know it's the right thing to do, but please stop telling me this game. Like, it, you're not impressing the importance of this anymore on me. You're just annoying my character and you're annoying me. Never annoying me or my character again. Um, so. Uh, oh, gosh. Still not old. Um, well, yeah, and we're recording this two days after Portal 2. So everyone knows. No, I'm letting people know that I'm not just like I haven't been making that joke straight for two weeks. We're getting ahead for Dark Souls 3. So it has not yep. been very long since we had our meme discussion. Yep. Memes are still fresh in my mind. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so this mission is is great. Yeah, this is a really good one. This is, um, this yeah. is a really cool twist on the formula, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. So uh, you're on the outskirts of Stratholme, and uh, Arthas wants to purge the city to avoid transformation. The grain has gotten here, and he knows that you know all of these Lordaeron citizens are going to suffer an undignified death. So his um, you know motivation here is he needs to go and kill as many innocent people as possible. He's going to kill all the young mercy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all the younglings must die. Yep. And all uh, the younglings must be drank. Yes. Yeah. And so Uther's like, I don't want to pee. I don't want, I don't want any part of this. You're, you've crossed a, a, a terrible threshold. And then Jaina abandons you as well. Yes. Which is supposed to have more pathos than it really does. Yep. Um, but the mechanically, this is really cool because you have to slay uh, 100 zombies and destroy uh, plagued villagers houses to get those zombies before Malganus shows up to claim their souls. Right. So and, <laughs> this is, uh, it's like hungry, hungry heroes a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Uh, and and Melganis, this is like the time you, he shows up and you fight against them. This is the mm-hmm. only time I think you fight one of these things. Yeah. Um, and boy, are they fucking obnoxious. Uh, mm-hmm. Because so so he uh, responds. He shows up. You show up. Yeah. You're trying to kill people. He's trying to kill people. Um, you can go fight him because you, that puts him on a cooldown timer. Mm-hmm. When uh, so he won't come back. But he has an ability to put units to sleep. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> and you can you can smack him to get him out of it. But boy, does that require again clicking uh, on individual units like in the heat of battle. Yeah. Uh, which can be can be a pain, and he always mm-hmm. puts like your most valuable unit to sleep. Mm-hmm. He has a bunch of other abilities as well, and comes in with really strong strong units. So the way I did this was 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 to get ahead of the curve, yeah, and then ignore Melgaris. <laughs> right, like, you can have that that section of town. I never liked it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to kill everyone in this section of town. This is my you know I'm going to draw a line down the middle of <laughs> of, of Stratholme. The bathroom everything on, on this. The bathroom's yep. on your side, but the kitchen's on mine. So yeah, exactly. So I can pee in the sink, but you have to cook in the toilet. <laughs> so <laughs> like. I think I still Thank get a better you. better end of the deal. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, no, but it's a it's it's a great choice though because uh, deciding deciding where you want to focus your efforts because you have a like you have a base and he will occasionally take pot shots um, at your base uh, to kind of like uh, at least it felt like it uh, distract you and you know go yeah. go go make a grab right whereas I never really kind of got into his base except his for base when is- I was. More or less indestructible. Right. They, they set up his base as like a huge, you know, they don't want you. If you go to it, um, it is surrounded by turrets and they will send a huge force after your guys. Like I poked the hornet's nest a couple times mm-hmm. um, and it is uh, there. They don't want you to do that. Right. The game is so you could probably cheat and and defeat all the undead there. And then it's just Malganus teleporting every once in a while. But it is uh, the game is discouraging that explicitly. Yeah. But like this got pretty tense. Like I, you know, I got ahead of the curve. Like we use basically the same strategy um but like you know as they become more as the uh the the, the tasty humans become more uh scarce you're going to be fighting over them like you're going to you're going to clash in the middle 
um, to yes. pick up the remnants. Right. And yes. so, and so like, you know, it was pretty, pretty, you know, pretty tense there at the very end. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, after you, uh, defeat him, Malganus runs off to Northrend. He says, our battle will end there again, <laughs> just tempting you, just, you know, taking you with, <laughs> with uh, trying to go there. He was leaving a trail of jelly beans behind him. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. Malgadis. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so yeah, this uh, this kind of continues uh, the uh, the downfall the sh- the shores of Northrend. You you follow the the, the jelly bean trail across mm-hmm. the sea uh, to this kind of forsaken continent. Um, mm-hmm. You know the, the 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 town. Meanwhile, that you leave behind is in ruins, and they're burning the bodies. And Jaina and Uther are in denial. Uh, whereas the prophet shows up and says, "Hey, Jaina, <laughs> go Christ, west. prophet! <laughs> like hey, you have to leave. Buddy. What's happening in Kalimdor?" Yeah, what's that? What's, I would, I if I if I could, I would choke the prophet to death with my hands, and I would do it even if he was a crow. And I like crows. Yep. Like this prophet can go to hell. Um, so Arthas has crossed the moral event horizon completely. Like yep. he's killed the younglings. He doesn't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Uh, so he says, like, hey, is this where? Uh, no, that's in the next mission. Like mm-hmm. they hear he's still uh, concentrating on destroying Malganus's base, mm-hmm. but he's you know he's got he's got eyeshadow on. Yeah. You can tell he's evil. He's been wearing the ring. He's like you know <laughs> hairy after walking around with the Horcrux. Like he's evil Arthas <laughs> now. Th- throw in a third one, please. Uh, I think that's the only two that there exist. Uh, Peter Parker with the venom suit. Boom. Oh sure, there we yeah. go. Yeah. Yep. He's dancing, Parker. Um, so this is, uh, you know, you set up a gold mine and destroy Malganus's base. Yeah. You hate Malganus. You're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Like this doesn't stick out too much to me aside from the fact that you're in a different biome. So you're encountering like, like these tougher, uh, the, the, these tougher, uh, uh, creeps, these dire wolves, these ice trolls. Well, and you're introduced to a new hero mm-hmm. here, which is good because, you know, since Gina abandoned you, you want to play with more heroes. You mm-hmm. get, uh, you run into, uh, Marodin. Muradin, uh, yeah, Muradin, yeah, Muradin, who is uh, uh, this dwarf mountain lord, yeah. who is the melee-focused uh, kind of tanky mm-hmm. uh, human hero, um, and his kind of big thing is stunning enemies, and he can turn into a kind of avatar that is like a stronger version of himself. Yes, and he and, doesn't uh, ask a lot of questions. No, yeah, <laughs> he's just you're here for my rescue. Uh, well, not great, and then uh, and that's it. It's have have my gyrocopters. They want you to have another uh, another hero here. Mm-hmm. Um, the gyrocopter. Something we did we haven't mentioned that's really important, and I just don't know where else to put it. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, these units? Like this game has a sense, a goofy sense of humor, oh, yeah. where the units uh, are funny. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, or trying to be funny. It's not like there are that many laugh out loud jokes in uh, in StarCraft units or <laughs> WarCraft units. But when you click on them, they have kind of goofy voices. Uh, different races speak in different accents. Yeah. Um, they they make pop culture references and stuff, and it kind of contributes to this kind of charming tone. Mm-hmm. That they have uh, so much so that like me and my buddy Derek, who I talk about all the time, who I play video games with, uh, the goblin sappers. They're like, "What's <laughs> happening?" Uh, we will you know get stuck in our head, and then when we're playing a multiplayer game and one of us is dying, we will do the "It came from behind" like gnome <laughs> thing that they do yeah. when they when they're dying, uh, and those are just stuck with my head since two thousand two. Yeah, um, so <laughs> fourteen years. Yeah, fourteen years. I've been going. It came from behind <laughs> uh yeah for for longer than some people who listen to the show have probably been alive yeah kind of crazy uh but yeah that is uh that is the case and it is uh it is charming like right. even though i was kind of bagging on it like i'm bagging on the writing in this game in general it's charming though yeah i think and, you make the argument that there's some charm there yeah it, it has it has a voice that isn't that isn't offensive and is distinctive enough that it does it does kind of like wash over you and like yeah. like in a sense yeah it's it's is uh it, it is its own thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so the uh, you're introduced to these gyrocoppers, that gyro gyrocoppers and yeah, gyro robots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, they are your aerial units. At first, they can only fight air to air, but eventually, can get bombs to attack the ground. But they're never that powerful. Yeah. And uh, they're always uh, a little bit uh, weak, and they're mechanical units, which means you can't heal them uh, without using a peasant. Yeah, which it would take, which takes up a slot, and yeah. those peasants are more useful back at home. So, like, 100%. I, I don't, I'm sorry, gnome or whatever that is in the pilot scene, yeah, you're, you're going to die. Yeah, yeah. Two gnomes, Cole. Two, two gnomes died for you. When there's only four sets of footprints, two gnomes carry you. When there was only one set of footprints, yeah. they, they were on each other's shoulders and wearing a big trench coat, trying to sneak yeah. into a movie <laughs> on the beach. Um, one for left behind. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, <laughs> uh, I like the rhythm of this mission at the very least. You know, you're you're sent to uh, rescue this dwarf base, and that puts you in a closer position to uh, to take out Malganus's base. And you have two bases. Yeah. Which, like, being able to attack from two different angles is, mm-hmm. like, a classic, you know, strategy, you it's know, a, a even one-on-one. But, like, doing a pincer attack is still, like, viable here and is really satisfying when it works. Um, when you get here, uh, Muradin uh, kind of fucks things up yep. and talks about this waygate that leads to the legendary sword Frostmourne. That must be what they're after, this, yep. <laughs> this incredibly then, tempting thing. Okay. And then Arthas just kind of like strokes a beard that isn't there and goes like, hmm, Frostmourne, that sounds evil, let's do it. Um, and that's going to lead to his whole deal here. But first, there's more uh, him being... A shithill coming up with dissension. Yes, dissension. So we have this emissary who's come and said, like, you are not here on anybody's authority. You probably need to come back home. Your dad is worried about you. Um, he's telling yep. a lot of people never to talk to you or him again. Yep. Um, and so Arthas, he goes full on Cortez and orders his, orders his men to burn the ships because yes. there's no going back. And here um, you're going through. You don't have an army because the army has betrayed you. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't uh, initially fight you, which is kind of like. And you're doing it before they can cut through the uh, the forest, right? To get there, so you have a timer, um, but you don't have any support. They're not going to kill you, but you can't recruit units. Like the humans are now under your control, so you go through and you hire mercenaries, um, mm-hmm. including these uh, these goblin sappers, uh, <laughs> you know, to kind of th- go through and just do this little dungeon mission where you run through yeah. this route, destroying ships. Um, there is a kind of a minor undead base you stomp along the way, mm-hmm. but mostly you're just killing your own men's uh, means of transport to trap them here. Yeah. And uh, once they're destroyed, Arthas says, like, hey, the monsters did it. Kill <laughs> kill these mercenaries that were my buddies. Yeah. Um, it wasn't me. It was it was these Jamaicans. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, what a dickhead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just love the idea of, like, uh, just it was them. Yeah. 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 Like a four-year-old. Yeah, them guys. <laughs> Who keeps saying that? Yeah. It was him. Um, leading into chapter nine, Frostmourne and the end of the human campaign. Yes. So uh, most of the time, these campaigns are going to end with big battles. Um, mm-hmm. And this one is uh, kind of unique because uh, it's kind of divided up into different different parts here. Like at the start, you're tasked with defending this base, but most of your attention is going to be uh, um, kind of on Arthas as he is uh, going to find Frostmourne itself. After Muradin says, like, you know, you probably fucked up a little bit. And mm-hmm. Alganis is, you know, like, yes, yes, more. Heard me more. Yep. Um, yeah. And, but until you run through the uh, through the gate, so Arthas is separated. Um, you know, Muradin is there. I think defending the base. I forget Muradin's status, status yeah. right now. Yeah. Um. So it's pretty much just uh, uh, you're doing two things, and you're kind of splitting your time between creeping, which you always are doing, but here it's explicitly 
know, separated geographically. Yeah. Um, so as, as you uh, kind of get your base on lockdown, you kind of move forward with Arthas. You destroy this guardian and his men who, uh, when you say, like, why are you protecting the sword? And he goes, no, I'm trying to protect you from the sword. <laughs> with little shades of Sif, which I like. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, you get to the sword and everyone's saying it's cursed and evil and it's got little skulls <laughs> on it. And it's the worst. But you say, uh, I will give anything or pay any price if only it will help me save my people. And, <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I will give my people's life. In order to, to save, save my, my people. people. Do you not know what cursed means? <laughs> like it is, it's not like it's going to be like, like that's what it's going to do, buddy. Um, so you get, you get the sword. It makes a huge explosion and kills Muradin, <laughs> yeah. um, who was like, you know, such a, like, like maybe a hapless idiot, Yeah, but he was, he was a solid dude. <laughs> and then now you have Frostmourne and you do tons of damage. Yes. Um, it doesn't do as much to swing the battle as you would think it would. <laughs> No, it's not a win button. Right. It's just it just makes your unit more. It's a really good power up for your unit. Yeah. And yeah. so this is where you kind of like rally back up. You have your hero here and then you're going out and trying to deliver this uh this this decisive blow to uh to yes. Malganus. Yeah. And and Malganus knows that the dark dark lord is controlling you. Yes. Through Frostmourne. Like you 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 were already lost. Mm-hmm. Um after after this happens, Arthas kind of wanders through the waste uh and uh you know, Malganus did not expect to be betrayed. Right. So he knew that he's like, hey, you're on our side now. <laughs> and uh, is like, no, you were weak. Again, cliche, cliche. <laughs> and uh, because Arthas, uh, you know, kind of has the sword and did all these terrible things, he loses his sanity. Right. And uh, and says like, hey, I'm evil now. <laughs> I'm going to go home and claim my just reward. Yes, I'm going to take my kingdom back. Yes. Um, we get kind of a cool cutscene, I think. Yeah, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> Blizzard does such good cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so Arthas goes back um to his you know to to his father to the king where we began this um in kind of this uh this court um under this reign of rose petals. Um and the king asks, "What are you doing, my son?" And Arthas yep. says, "Succeeding you, father." And he kills him yep. and kind of just we get this short montage of him establishing this new order. Yeah, his crown falls to the floor and shatters and or not shatters, but pieces break off and mm-hmm. it's real cool. And I love this is like this is one of those I mean, a way smaller order of magnitude. But going into the second campaign of this was one of those upside down castles, world of ruin moments for me. Yeah. That I was going to follow the same character into to do the evil side next. Yep. Like that was such was such a cool moment for me growing up and moving into the undead campaign, the path of the damned, which is maybe my favorite. Oh, yeah. uh, just because I associate it with that turn. Yes. Like you get to you get to be the bad guy, which I like. Um, you are like unapologetically the bad guy. It's not like there's shade. There's no good undead members. There's like one side of the undead that's scheming against the other, mm-hmm. but they're all monsters. Right. And uh, you just get to play with a bunch of cool fucking dark gift shit. <laughs> like this is after dark as fuck, dude. And, <laughs> it's so good. Um, so I'm way into the undead campaign, oh, uh, yeah. starting with chapter one, trudging through the ashes. Yes. So like there is that continuity. Like this game is very much divided um into like the the, mm-hmm. the first half of it is Arthas's tale. Um mm-hmm. which sounds like Arthas's tale sounds like a much more boring game than this. <laughs> um so yeah, we, we we start out and we have Arthas and his appearance is 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 much different than he's we've seen before. Yeah, he's 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 kind of graying. He's uh very gaunt, got these lines on the on his face and he's like wandering in the woods. Like I don't know why he's not like sitting on his throne of skulls or whatever, mm. but uh this uh this demon Tychondrius shows up to Ugh. him in the in the in the graveyard. Tychondrius. Um, Tychondrius. Like why are you named after like a, a sci-fi space, you know, or like a, like a star system? <laughs> 
hypochondrious. Yeah. Um, saying yeah. you have pleased the Lich King. This 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 thing we never see. We like we never we never like get a representation of the Lich King. He's always just having people kind of act in his in in, in his uh, honor, right? But but I know what those words mean individually, and I'm so on. Oh yeah, like I I'm not gonna play WoW, but I know that there's something about a Lich King getting super pissed, oh, and yes. whatever happens, I'm into it. <laughs> yep. That's like, a good expansion. That's a that's a lot of fun. I'm 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 on board. I believe it. I'm never gonna play it. But I like that there's a Lich King. I like that he gets like super hangry. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, we learned we learned a little, little bit about Frostmourne. This is a this is a blade that is designed by the Lich King to claim souls. And uh, yes. the, you know my my soul, Arthas's soul, is you know locked up in this, and we are now bound forever. And I'm officially a Death Knight, which is this uh, you know one of the undead heroes. Yes, and uh, Death Knights are much more aggressive. Uh, less defensively focused. Yep. Um, you can still heal undead units mm-hmm. uh, with you, but you can also eat undead units yep. for for to get mana back. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, kind of more offensive abilities, yeah. As well as and everybody has like a passive group buff mm-hmm. uh, as well, which you have. Yeah. Um, so again, just because even though you're super important, they're not going to start with any resources. Um, so the idea is you have to go rescue these acolytes um, who are in this area, kind of move through a town. Again, you're not doing any base building. Right. Um, you're rescuing these a- acolytes that are sleeper agents. Yeah. Um, and you're given these ghouls to kind of do so, um, as well as uh, the spirit unit, yes. the invisible spirit unit, which I like a lot. Yeah. Um, and this is a stealth mission. Like you have, like you're trying to avoid these guards that are on patrol. Yes. Which is a really cool mission statement for like, hey, uh, the undead are, are more fragile mm-hmm. than, than, than the humans. At least their buildings are and they need to play a different way. Mm-hmm. So you can't just say, you know, this would be a charge through and kill everything mission in the human version you are now at a disadvantage. <laughs> I also I also love that like instead of just having having men who are stationed in a place, you get your reinforcements by passing by a graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And it's just the, the, the dead these, just pop these up. bodies are fresh. <laughs> yep. Um so after you kind of move through this, uh we're heading to Anderhall in order to get Kel Kelhuzad. Yes. Or Kelhuzad. Who uh is at this point is he dead? We're getting his ashes or whatever? I think I think he might still be alive at this okay. point. Um, he, he's very important. Like he is part of this, uh, one of these no, factions. No, he's dead oh, at this shit. point. Cause we're getting his urn oh, okay. um, we, we, we need to resurrect him. He died in the last campaign. Okay. Um, so we need to get his urn so we can bring him back in chapter two, digging up the dead. Yes. So he's being guarded by this, uh, by this paladin. And so you have to, um, uh, take them out and then load this necromancer into the meat wagon, which is kind of their artillery unit. I love the meat wagon. Yep. Um, so like one of the cool things about the undead is a lot of their structures do uh, double duty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the meat wagon is your artillery thing. It also just holds corpses. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, like it's a catapult that throws dead bodies. Like that's pretty yeah. great. It <laughs> makes a very satisfying splash <laughs> when they hit things. Yep. Um, but it's also like the undead are like dead bodies are a currency mm-hmm. or the undead, which is awesome. Like that is how that's the way you can heal. Um, ghouls cannot heal otherwise, but they can heal from eating the dead. So you can mm-hmm. load up your, your wagons and you can set them to auto load, which I really like. Yeah. Um, and this is also what your necromancers are going to re- resurrect, mm-hmm. um, here. And like, so the meat wagon is my favorite siege unit yeah. in this game. Um, super, super useful. Yeah. Super effective too. Um, and this is your introduction to, um, to undead base building, which is quite different than humans. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's hit some undead generalities here. Yeah. This is my favorite race in the game. Um, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're familiar with Starcraft, they play as this kind of great combination, like the, the most interesting aspects, at least to me of the Protoss and the Zerg yes. a little bit, like the, 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 the logistics are probably the most, um, distinctive outside of the night elves and just the, like the, the power that it gives you in the early to mid, um, kind of like swing 
uh, mm-hmm. really, really does just kind of like, it's fun. It doesn't require too much micromanagement, but, uh, but yeah, let's talk about the way that you like build a base and build up a force. So, uh, one of the, just, this is just a dumb, uh, dumb touch, but you actually haunt a graveyard or <laughs> haunt a, a gold mine rather mm-hmm. before, um, actually doing it. So you have to build a structure to start harvesting gold to balance this out though. Um, you summon units in similar to the Protoss. So, um, you only need to have one, one, uh, acolyte. Right. moving around and uh, doing all of your base building for you. Mm-hmm. Um, he just kind of sits it and forgets it, and it's really great. <laughs> Another kind of balancing factor, even though it's a huge advantage, is that your basic melee unit is also your wood gatherer. Right. Um, which is kind of a disadvantage, but is also a huge advantage because there's always people at your base to defend it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be a bunch of ghouls yeah. floating around. And that's really important because they get better as you research your tech tree. Yes. Not, not at like gathering stuff, but just at being able to defend themselves. So like even your little pop-up bases are going to have like a, uh, like a, a small defense force. Um, yes. That is being productive aside from just standing around and waiting for somebody to come. Um, similar to the night elves do this too. Um, but I really love the way that the, uh, that your farm thing, your, uh, ziggurats, mm-hmm. um, are also your turrets. Yes. Um, and they're very good turrets. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, that's kind of double duty and that's really efficient. Yeah. Um, which I dig. Um, the, uh, the biggest, the most important unit though, I think for the undead or the necromancers. Oh, m- m- most definitely. Because like that changes the curve of a battle so much. 100%. Like, so the, the necromancers get a spell that is raised dead, uh, that creates skeletons. Um, skeletons have a short lifespan. You can increase that through the tech tree, mm. but they don't live for very long. They don't have to. They don't have to <laughs> because they, they are always going to be like, if you imagine, um, even th- like throwaway units are really important mm-hmm. in this game. Like units are not going to do very much damage, but are just going to soak up hits. Yep. Um, and like if you get into a battle, if you have a couple of necromancers in the back lines, um, anything that falls is going to be turned into two units. Yeah. Like it takes one skeleton to make two skeletons in this game uh, <laughs> because of the laws of skeleton thermodynamics uh, no longer apply. And uh, the so you're just always going to outnumber your enemy. It mm-hmm. feels like, and it doesn't uh, doesn't count against your food either. So like, no, you can, yeah, you can roll with them with maximum. So you can effectively build a temporary army that is three times as big as your opponents, and it just keeps going. Like yeah. as long as you can, uh, because the end with a scroll of mana, you can really, mm-hmm. really go crazy on a base because you you don't refill your because ne- the running out of mana is going to be your your uh, necromancer's kind of biggest weakness here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the other thing is you can get skeletons for, you know, from a graveyard. Um, you can pop them down from, uh, the meat wagons. So you put the necromancers and meat wagons in the back lines, unload six skeletons each from these <laughs> meat wagons. That gives you 12 skeletons yep. to send in. And just, even if they're just absorbing hits, mm-hmm. like that's such a huge difference. And it's so cool. Yeah. Like it's really cool mechanically. And it's also my favorite thing flavor wise. Oh, yeah. Like I, raising the dead is my favorite thing, and it is the, like if I could do anything, uh, I've learned nothing from Pet Cemetery. <laughs> like I will bring, you know, if if Roars ever dies, which he won't, but if that ever happened, I would definitely bring him back as two skeletons, and those would be my cat now. Yeah. So <laughs> you would get used to different pets. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. like, like different pet pets. You know. Yeah, to, to get used to it. For now, I'm gonna only have him pet me with it, or I'm gonna pet his teeth. Yep. And that's what it's gonna be like. <laughs> um. But yeah, these these things are great, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're really big. Um, we mentioned the abomination, which is this, their huge uh, melee unit. Yeah, um, they have banshees, which I never really used. Uh, not really. Like they're not as effective as support, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure that there is that, that, that there is some kind of like not edge case because that's a little bit dismissive. I think for somebody who's a little bit more fiddly than I am uh, yeah. with uh, with these, they're going to get a lot out of it. It just uh, they I, can I, possess like yeah. they can possess units, which is huge, and their debuff is really powerful. It's just you, you know, I just never wanted to build them. Yeah, 
Um, we, we talked about that scout unit. The scout unit is my favorite scout unit in the game. Because mm-hmm. um, they're just invisible. Yeah. Uh, so, and like you make them from acolytes. So if you have some spare acolytes, like you're, you know, uh, <laughs> they're really cheap. Yeah. So you send one of those around. It's really useful to scout. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have really great kind of air superiority. Yeah. Going yeah, on. These frost dragons. Yes. That you can. Uh, have a really amazing ability, which locks down a building. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are just turret killers. Yeah. Like three of these things can take down a turret if you manage them correctly, where they will freeze the building so it can't fire back. Yeah. They just do tons of damage and then continually do that. Yeah. So this is a great kind of thing because like even more so than the orcs, which kind of previously would have held this like without this super weird race, the orcs would be the shock troops of, yes. uh, of, of this game. Like this is an entire race that is meant to be as like just uh, uh, just just pop up in unpredictable places very quickly. Mm hmm. And they're really great at like uh, hit and run kind of tactics. Yes. Like at the end of a battle, if I have eight skeletons, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to send them just to go fuck with somebody's base. <laughs> right. Like, you know, go go do some damage. Go kill some peasants. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you kill one peasant, that's huge because you cost me nothing. Right. You know, it is really easy to get that kind of resource advantage with these guys. Um, I really love them. Yeah. And just flavor wise, like. I'm personally going to love them, but like, yeah. even if they were like recolored as something else, yeah. I would still really dig them. The other thing that we, that we didn't mention, uh, something that stops them from being just completely expansionist, is the fact that they have to build on corrupted Earth, which is yes. uh, like the creep from uh, from StarCraft. So yeah. uh, you either have to build a ziggurat or you have to corrupt a gold mine in order to get like a um, kind of an inroad into a new place. Yeah, your ziggurat also uh, acts as a turret. Yes, so it's the only. Ba- uh, only, I mean, I guess the orcs kind of do this, but your your main base will defend itself as well. So yeah. they tend to make hardier bases than you would think for mm-hmm. for a race that's not really based around that. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, after you get this body, um, you're building your base. You have to go get the special urn from the paladins. Um, you go clean them up with your base until you get to Uther. 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 The flat earther. Until get, yeah. Until you get to Truther. Um, and he tells you that the urn holds your father's ashes yep. and you're like, well, pour one out for my dead father. And you, <laughs> not from there. I need those ashes. Don't pour those out. That would be a very big mess. Uh, you just, you know, dump them out like in big Lebowski <laughs> and, uh, and then that you summon Kel'Thuzad's ghost, uh, who ends up whispering in your ear and saying, Hey, don't trust the dreadlords. Yep. Nobody else can see him. He's your invisible friend. You do. You have an invisible, uh, <laughs> what's the name of the invisible friend from the Homer or the Simpsons, like fake season nine or whatever. And an invisible talking alien that only Homer can see. <laughs> oh, it's Kazoo. Yeah, Kazoo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so he ends up kind of being, the, again, the, 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 the voice in your ear as you go forward and learn that things are not very complicated, but still uh, the marginally more complicated than, than they seem. Um, yes. And uh, in Chapter 3, Into the Realm Eternal, we see these dreadlords convening in what appears to be hell, this uh, underworld biome, um, saying they're going to work against the, the Lich King in order to return uh, to the surface. So they're doing this end run. Um, around the Lich King, who is spreading the scourge in order to kind of like establish this reign of chaos. Yes. Um, and then uh, in order to kind of go through, you have to pass through Quell Thalas, the elf city. Yes. Um, and they tell you like the trees itself will de- defend the city. Um, and this is the first time we're really dealing with elves. Right. Um, and when we get necromancers, who we talked about and are great. Um, <laughs> but while you're doing this, you're introduced to another hero, Sylvanus. Yes. And this is supposed to be kind of a, a Kerrigan. Figure, I think, but I didn't really care about Sylvanas. I think that I think that both Arthas and um, Arthas and Sylvanas share Kerrigan duties a little bit. Yeah, in terms of being corrupted. Um, yeah, irrevocably? Question mark. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, so after uh, after you beat uh, this mission, which is a very long, yeah, kind of uh, uh, just base building, clearing out a map slowly. Yeah, um, following this long winding path of these elves, just uh, just slowly breaking down their resistances. And yeah. Sylvanas, you know, she is not you know engaging you directly. Like she will do hidden hidden run kind of stuff. Um, and this yes. is like just very much part of a what elves do um, in the game mechanically, but also Sylvanas's character. Like it's addressed. Yes. Yeah. And we didn't talk about this, but when a hero dies, you can raise them. Yeah. And there are a couple of missions where the, losing the hero is part of the fail condition. But when you kill Sylvanas, you just get that cooldown and uh, she can come back. And if you die, you can usually come back as well. Right. If you build the proper building for it. Mm-hmm. Usually um, like an altar of some kind. Yeah. yeah. But uh, after you get here, uh, you clear this map and we move on to chapter four, the key of the three moons. Yes. So Savannah yes. to uh, uh, kind of stop your process to thwart you destroys this bridge. Um, and so to get around this, you have to destroy three elven altars. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're introduced to our, our uh, distance, our ranged unit. Mm-hmm. The uh, crypt fiends, which I think these guys are great. Um, <laughs> they have a really good, like I like their voice. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> well, it's so like, like it's way gravelier and like, <laughs> if they don't talk like spider, you like, you would imagine the spider dog. No, they don't. They just have a super deep, like, kind of creepy voice mm-hmm. um and these are also like one of my favorite range units in the game not my yeah. favorite but these guys are really great uh, because you can auto cast their fucking net yep um unlike the orcs which that was a grievous mistake that i wish had never happened yes um, um they're also hardy they're much hardier than a lot of the other uh ranged uh ground units are yeah yeah, yeah these like, guys are pretty great yeah pretty good like I would, I would pretty much always have uh two or three of them in uh in any uh squad that i put together yep yeah um so, so essentially, the, the kind of big thing here is that that's separated by water. You can't just travel to these altars. Um, you have to get around either by Goblin Zeppelin, um, so you can rent those mm-hmm. and do these kind of shock assaults um, on there, or through these teleporter gates. Yeah, uh, which is pretty dangerous because oftentimes they come out in uh, in the middle of an of, a, of an elven base on the yes. other side. Well, it's not even a base. It's just there are four turrets. Yes, on the side. So it's it's similar to a base, but uh, usually you don't want to do that. Um, I would. I mostly worked using the zeppelins yeah um but i did a little bit with the teleporter and it was more convenient to get around the yeah. pathfinding is smarter than you think it definitely uh, path- is like yeah, I, it will account for teleporters i was much more confident playing this than i remember being before just clicking an area and trusting that they would go there like yeah. i would I, I would send like movement was uh was kind of a free action yes um, in terms of managing different stuff so this is a really long <laughs> mission uh just because you are establishing these beachheads right like yes. And because the, the, the undead are not very uh, hardy, oftentimes, like, it was difficult to get that momentum to really uh, kind of clear. So just kind of chipping away. Yep. Yeah. But, yeah, I've, you know, it's kind of, you know, three steps forward, two steps back. You kind of get through it. Um, you go to the gate and end the mission. Yep. And uh, and you're finally getting vengeance on these fucking elves uh, <laughs> with the fall of Silvermoon. So, so, so that wrinkle is you have these uh, you have uh, them trying to send these runners across the map. And so while you're trying to take out the uh, the, you know, Silvermoon here, uh, you also have to send your gargoyles, which are your flying units to kind of like waylay these runners to keep the reinforcements from being called in. Yes. Which I always thought was going to turn hard and it never does. Right. Like it's, it's pretty easy. The gargoyles they give you from the start are more or less enough. Mm hmm. Um, and gargoyles are pretty cool. Uh, they can turn into stone and they get increased defense and will heal. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can turn them into uh, pretty decent flying units. Yeah. After that. Um, after you finally, and, and while we're doing this, you're building a base and destroying this other base. <laughs> yeah. um, while you do so, after you destroy the base, Arthas says, hey, you've been too annoying to me to give you a clean death. I'm going to turn you into a banshee. Yeah. To Sylvanas. Yes, to Sylvanas. And that's how you get uh, the banshee unit. Which is an upsetting yeah. idea. 
actually. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, yeah, you're, you're playing our, our unquestionable villain in this. Yeah. Like you are such a shithead. Mm-hmm. Um, also like that you're kind of committing like a form of genocide. Yeah. You know, this is a cultural travesty mm-hmm. that you're doing yeah. as you're going to the Sunwell, which is guarded by these huge golems. Like they behave yes. like buildings. Yes. Yeah. Um, which like later you'll get some of these on your team, which is pretty great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, uh, you know, you, you fight these uh, things, you get to the Sunwell and, uh, use the, the, the Sunwell to raise Kel'Thuzad. Yes. Uh, who is another hero unit that I barely used. Yeah. It was a little bit esoteric for me. Yeah. This is a little like, he's a weird support class that I don't think is that useful for me. So I barely used him. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So now we're going to fight some orcs, uh, in black rock and roll two. Yes. Uh, which a lot, all these names are really self-serious except for when they're not. <laughs> right. It sounds like a, like a, like a doom mission a little yeah. bit. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Kel'Thuzad says, Waffles uh, revenge. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, tells you that, uh, Arthur's was chosen as the champion of the Lich King well before the scourge began. Yeah. And, uh, they all serve as the vanguard for the burning legion, um, an interdimensional demons that are seeking to raid this world. Yes. Um, and because you can't just have the undead be the actual villains of this, there has to be a bigger, <laughs> right. bigger villain. And they pull the same thing in, uh, uh, the, uh, frost kingdom, yeah. the, the expansion. Yep. Uh, this name is escaping me. The frozen throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do the same thing with these otherworldly creatures. Yeah. Yeah. So the main quest here is to, is to destroy this orc base that is protecting the demon gate. Like, again, the orcs are very close to these demons, um, have a have a strong tie there. Um, in order to help you help uh, accomplish this, you're introduced to these frostworm units, which, again, will lock down these bases and just are like they're they're pretty much the equivalent of like the battle cruisers from Starcraft. Yeah. They're just yeah. gigantic and hardy. And like if you build one, it's probably going to survive to the end of the mission. Yeah. And they're undead. So Arthas can heal them. Mm-hmm which is really great. Um, and there's kind of five orc bases with five orc heroes. Right. You have to take care of. Like you start out in a small, in a small base that is surrounded by small bases. Mm-hmm. Um, only one of the bases is actually serious, but you can uh, kind of destroy these ones on the way there because there's a real, like a real satisfaction to like clearing a map. Oh yeah. In this game. Um, and this, this mission is also very long. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about as long as that last one, but it feels really good yeah. to kind of just take control, take over the, like, like a hermit crab, <laughs> like take over these gold mines yeah. and just like gain momentum. Yeah. And also like, as you take out these different bases, you, that is one less angle that you're going to be attacked from. Yes. You know, so yeah, if I, you are trying to keep the home front safe um, in this long mission, you have to expand in order to get enough gold to, you know, mount up the defense against the really, really tough base that is in the uh, Northeast. Um, you're going to have to do yeah. this. It just, it like the, it has a very kind of like palpable curve where like you, you, you overcome this resistance. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so you get there, you eventually get to that base and Archimond, Archimond is summoned. <laughs> and uh, so you, you find out you need this tome to summon him into the world. So yeah. you need to find Dalaran. Um, this is, there's a lot of kind of like MacGuffins yeah, in yeah. this, uh, in this campaign. It was the malediction prophecy. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, so you're heading to the siege of Dalaran. Yes. And, uh, this is a pretty cool mission, um, uh, because you're at the, uh, you're at the gate, right? And oh, Arthas yeah, is, I, I love this one. Yeah. This is, this, this is, is, this is, this is one of my favorite missions in the game actually. <laughs> yeah. And the elves are not putting up with your shit. Um, you know, they, uh, the, uh, gosh, they, not the elves, the, the human, like the council of wizards. Yes. The council of wizards. Yeah. There we go. Um, they, yeah. uh, they're, they, you know, they're putting up this defense, uh, which is these force fields that, uh, are uh, designed to eliminate the undead, which means large portions of the map are kind of poisonous to you until you kill the wizard that is maintaining that part of the aura. 
Yeah, and the way that it ends up working is you uh, you send in your hero units, which can kind of soak up the damage. Mm-hmm. You send in your mechanical units, which don't get hurt, and then you find uh, you free these kind of experiments mm-hmm. that the wizards are are doing. So the wizards are doing these experiments on golems and stuff, and you free these golems so they join you. Um, and then it plays like football. Yep. Like you move forward, you kill the wizard. Now I can move the rest of my team in here and establish a little mini base. Yeah. Kind of get more more units mm-hmm. and then do that again and again as you push <laughs> further and further into this area. Yeah. And because like, you know, it is a it is a one way. It's like a ratcheting one way wall you know, mm-hmm. as, as as you go up. Like I never built another unit generating a building as I went. Like I would just go back to my original one and set a new waypoint. As mm-hmm. I was going, so just like I just keep on building, keep them coming because I'm just going to need more and more as I go up. Yeah, and one of the cool things is as you move up, the pathfinding like it becomes kind of more maze like. Mm-hmm. So we had to spend more time in this poison field yeah. to get to the wizard. Yeah, um, and, and kind of go past more stuff. This is a really cool mission, though. Yeah. Um, eventually, you uh, you kind of push through and destroy the uh, the mages and destroy the poison field completely and move on to their uh, ultimate mission, Chapter Eight, Under the Burning Sky. Yes. So, uh, this is a great mission that is, it's, it's a little bit different than most of the big battles, um, mm-hmm. that we, that, that we have at the end of these. We're not trying to eliminate any other bases. We're just trying to survive. So yes. we have Kel'Thuzad who is trying to summon Archimond, this, uh, this uber demon. Um, and he needs 30 minutes of uninterrupted spellcasting time to do this. And the, your enemies know it. Yes. Yeah. So they're going to go right for him. Mm-hmm. You have this kind of, um, this, this, kind of diamond shaped uh defensible area mm-hmm. and uh you get kind of automatic units the demons are giving you hellhounds and infernal golems which are these huge fire golems that are pretty rad mm-hmm. uh to defend yourself but you also have to build units yeah. and defend yourself here and it's a really tight curve oh yeah um you know like i lost a lot of units like <laughs> and uh but eventually you just kind of persevere by defending um they've done like you know again they've done a similar mission to this before but it's always welcome Mm-hmm. I always like these uh, kind of holdout missions. Yeah. And just that last big push at the end, like there's nothing, nothing you can do because they really make a concentrated effort to make it, to make it come from all sides. Yeah. And what happens is like, you know, when, when, when that's the case, it's like, okay, screw it. The buildings are, they're, they're, they're fucked. I'm going to bring everybody in. We need to tighten the circle. Mm-hmm. Um, as it as it kind of goes along, and uh, that's where the uh, oh gosh, the mines, Gary setting the mines was great. Oh yeah, like, this this does feel a little tower defensey. Yeah, like similar to what Raynor can do in uh, in Starcraft. Yeah, so those mines. Um, so you do that. Eventually, uh, you get uh, you get Archimond, mm-hmm. and uh, he says he has no use for the Lich King. Uh, so they destroy the Liches and the Wizards. So mm-hmm. fuck them all. Um, I'm a demon. I don't need the undead. <laughs> and uh, this is where you get the uh, cinematic where Archimond uh, kind of draws this glyph in the sand and creates a city uh, that is real and then destroys it. Yeah. And destroys the real city. So this guy is serious business. Yeah. Um, he has crazy Sandomancy. <laughs> Damn it. And <laughs> you, beat the, you beat me to the Sandomancer joke. <laughs> Sandomancy, man. Uh, Silka Mancy. Yeah. Silca, there's got to be a, a Silica Mancy. Yeah. Um, so, and then, so things are not looking good no. as we move into the third campaign, uh, the Orc campaign, the invasion of Kalimdor, which I think is my least favorite. Yeah, it's super sloggy. The beginning part of it is way too... So, like, in talking about cliches I never want to see again, along mm-hmm. with prophecies, uh, the ancient race of warriors who are obsessed with honor... Uh-huh. Um, never. 
Like no. I just don't need I just don't need to have an honor obsessed barbarian race. Yep. Uh, in my fiction again. Nope. And it's I also like, don't need, I don't need them to be in touch with the spirits. No, no. It is just like it's like I get that like there are real that's a real thing that has a real basis in history. Mm-hmm. I just find it boring in fiction. Like yeah. stop copying it. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're gonna go like the night elf campaign that we're gonna get to has its problems, yeah. right? But they are much more interesting to me. Yeah. As like a setup than these kind of just like uh essentially this whole campaign is around this like yes we should uh continue to be demon worshipers no we have too much honor <laughs> and it's like i don't like maybe i am not an honorable person but like on and i, I think i am i don't actually think that's true i just think honors are really boring character trope yeah like klingons and- are boring <laughs> like you're like what's cool in star trek romulans or klingons you're like the <laughs> scheming like maniacs that can turn invisible Mm-hmm. Or you just have like we we have honor and we're strong. Yeah, like I just it's so boring. Like orcs are really boring. De- um, definitely flavor and wise. Fl- yeah, fl- flavor wise for sure. It's 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 a shorthand, and you know shorthand is not in- inherently bad, right? Like yeah, but shorthand is best when it communicates something or is used as a shortcut to something really interesting. And yes. here it really just is like this plot is going to move forward one foot in front of the other guided by the blandest motivation you can possibly it's, imagine. It's so plotting the first half of it. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because you're dealing with these Torin and like the Torin hero in this game, like that Ugh. voice actor, like, like just speak faster. Karen. Yeah. Yeah. Karen talk fucking faster, please. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so this, this first kind of thing is this, uh, landfall, um, where you've landed, um, a bunch of the ships, however, are kind of broken. Yeah. Um, and you're following this winding path and you end up fi- seeing the Torin. Um, you're inter- like, I like how it feels like a different continent. Oh yeah, least. definitely. Like, like it's a different biome and you're, you're seeing different, different kind of creeps. You have these razor quills, you have harpies. Centaur are set up as, uh, as, as like the, the, the arch villains of this, yes. uh, of this kind of place. Um, yeah, ra- razor quill are boar men or like, uh, porcupine men. Yeah. Um, so you're reuniting, you're moving through here, reuniting with the other orcs mm-hmm. and you keep talking about where is blood scream. I got to find Grom. Yeah. Everyone should be asking, where's Grom? Uh, <laughs> but instead you meet the, the Torin and you meet Karen and you have to do an escort mission protecting him as he moves slower than any unit in the game <laughs> yep. with the slowest units in the game uh, yep. that don't need your protection. Like they're fine. Yep. Uh, you know, but you just have to kind of plod along this path with them. <laughs> but don't uh, worry because the next mission uh, sure to be hopeful in that regard. It's called the long March. Ah, uh, at <laughs> the beginning of this campaign. <laughs> because um, here you're doing that same thing again and again, uh, escorting from Oasis to Oasis to get to Mulgore, which is where yeah. the, uh, the centaurs are headed. You see them kind of doing this uh, wildebeest run um, up, a, up a canyon. Yeah. And I don't think Karen is that interesting to play. Like when you get control of him, like he's not that interesting <sighs> hero either. No, he's like a big tanky hero. Um, the, the character uh, you're playing as the, um, it's not hell scream. Thrall. Thrall's fine. Yeah. Like Thrall, you know, he shoots lightning. Um, you know, he's a distance attacker, so he's fine. Yeah. I love, uh, uh the chain lightning that is, yeah, uh, deceptively powerful. Chain lightning is really good. His earthquake move is actually really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, is just like a base leveler. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really good to put like on a cluster of turrets, um, or again, buy a gold mine yeah. and fuck people. Like he's a cool hero, yeah. but he's the only orc hero that we deal with that I like Yeah, as well. Cause I don't like Grom Hellscream and we'll get to him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, so you're just doing this slow plotting march, blah, 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 bloop, um, getting new siege units. You're still not making a base. Again, when I talk about that base kind of making being a pacing thing, mm-hmm. like there's, I wish there had been a base making mission here instead of another, just a repeat right. of the, of the first one. It doesn't, doesn't introduce enough new really. No, this could have been part of the first, like this chapter could have been excised. <laughs> yes. I think. Yeah. 
Um, so Karen closes this valley with a quake behind him and, you know, sends you to meet his Oracle right? to get, uh, to get, to get some more prophecy. I love oracles. I love prophecy. Um, moving on to everybody should three. be asking what's happening in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Cause there's no way to, there's no way to like actually just make decisions. We just need something to tell us what to be motivated by. Yeah. Um, so moving on to chapter three, a cry for war song. Yes. Um, we get this little cutscene where the burning legion is getting a foothold in Lordron, fucking shit up. Mm-hmm. And a uh, Tychondrius talks to, uh, Manoroth who has a lot of teeth <laughs> and tells him to go find the orcs. Manoroth like the- is like this big, uh, tusk monster that uh, is kind of the patron. What's the opposite of a saint? <laughs> this, uh, this, this patron demon of, uh, of the orcs. Yes. Yeah. He's uh he's their, their, their little demigod. Yep. Um, and, uh, he says, Hey, we're going to need the orcs. We need to get them back under our kind of toehold. Yes. So we cut back to Kalimdor where we're in the stone Talon foothills. Um, and the Hellscream orcs here are kind of, uh, fighting these humans that are led by an archmage. And they're like, what the fuck humans? We came here to get away from you. Yes. Um, so when we're introduced to Grom Hellscream, um, he is an agility based hero. Yeah. Um, a so blade he, master. he's a blade master. So he dodges, um, he has a high critical rate. And uh, his kind of signature ability is he can turn invisible for a brief amount of time, which is mostly useful for getting away after hit and runs Mm -hmm. and uh, can like make these shadow kind of selves, like make a cast mirror image, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, None of which are very flashy. Yeah. And uh, like he's powerful enough, but he's also, I think, boring as a character. He's more of like a set it, set it and forget it kind of guy a little bit. Um, But you're not you're not playing as him now. You're still thrall. Um, okay. And you're just kind of like, well, we're going to like humans are here. That sucks. But we're on a mission. We're going to try and get around this. Um, and your your objective says, hey, don't cause any trouble. Don't engage with them. Just try and find a way around. Oh, and this is where he does it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is this is where he uh, pre Leroy Jenkins, Leroy Jenkins. it. Yes. Yeah. He goes and uh, and starts this war. I, I remember now. Yeah. Um, keeps going along. There are a couple of these missions where you have an ally mm-hmm. that will go do things. And it's kind of fun because uh, I would put a unit over there so I could see what they were doing all the time <laughs> yep. and then just time my attacks when they attacked. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of felt like weird single player co-op. Well, yeah, you're coordinating. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, kind of the way to do it. Um, but anyway, he he fucks things up and, you know, because he's too angry, but you're too <laughs> noble. Um, and uh yeah, eventually you get the, um, you know, you get the, uh, the, this, you unlock a goblin workshop here from these harpies killing them. You beat this other base and uh, as punishment, Thrall says, Hey, um, I'm going to rebuild a city. Like we're not going to war. We're going to make a capital. I'm going to need lumber. Uh, go north and get us lumber. Yes. And from, now we switch to Hellscream. Yes. And the, uh, and the, and the, uh, spirits of Ashenvale, they're going to this, uh, this forest, um, for, I think the first really interesting mission of the orcs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> before we go into the way that this mission is weird, should we talk about what the orcs kind of like what their what their deal is? Yeah. Uh, from this a is probably about because we still haven't really gotten to a, a solid base building. No, like this is mission. like here. There is a base kind of already built. Yes. Yeah. You never really build one from the ground up. So let's do our work generalities. Yes. Um, um, they're so they, very they are similar to humans. They are pretty, they're less similar than they are in the early ones when they're just palette swaps mm-hmm. um, in Warcraft 1 and 2. Um, they're more offensively oriented humans. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's still very basic, um, but you have, uh, your units are the most powerful versions. Yeah. Um, they're also very expensive. And uh, the idea is you can get a lot of resources through, they, they're kind of defined by this plunder ability. Yeah. And then you can get where they get gold for destroying enemy un- buildings. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of always a source of uh, of gold, yeah. and then uh, they can 
as instead of uh, so they're like a more aggressive version. So as opposed to having really high defense on their buildings, you can research these spikes yeah. that are on your buildings that hurt people who attack them. Right. So it's kind of like I'm going to take you with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have very effective casters. Um, the, uh, the, the, the troll, uh, witch doctors, and then the shaman, um, the witch doctors are your, uh, support ones. And then the shaman are, uh, offensive and the, you, uh, you can really dedicate a really strong branch of your tech tree toward making them, uh, incredibly effective. Um, the, the witch doctors will heal, uh, your enemies with like these AOE heals, which, uh, makes them incredibly, uh, they, they, they can really swing a battle for you. The annoying thing about that though, is the troll, the AOE heal is at the final end of their tech tree. Yeah. Um, so it's like you can heal, but it takes a long time to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, the shaman are more powerful where they can kind of, and eventually they, at the final end, there's is when they get bloodlust, mm-hmm. I think. And bloodlust is really good. Um, it's like a haste for your characters. Yeah. Um, so they work really well together, but you have to kind of get there. Um, their anti-air unit, um, the raiders, I think is really annoying because you mm-hmm. can't set them to autocast. Right. Unlike the undead, there's no reason for that. That drives me fucking bonkers. Yeah. Like I would have uh, to dedicate a hotkey to like select them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then it's like, what, what if it selects, you know, put you in control of one that already used his net. Mm-hmm. So now you have to switch to another net. Um, that's really annoying. Um, their, uh, their turrets are really cheap. Yeah. Um, so I go really turret crazy, uh, with Yorks. Like I will, I will build like far flung turrets, like more yeah. far flung than I otherwise would. Yeah. Because, uh, they're useful like that. And again, they're cheap. Yeah. And they're, um, uh, they're, they're, they're offensive right from the get, like for, from the get, like you don't have to well, upgrade them. And the, the thing to do with that is you put uh, one of your farms mm-hmm. uh, near the turret. You station a couple peons there. It acts as a really powerful secondary turret. Mm-hmm. And uh, then your peons get out and repair everything. Yeah. So th- this is the race that I had uh, peons repairing things more often yeah. than anything else um, to kind of stay stay alive. But other than that, like, they don't play that differently. Not really, um, no. Like, not, not differently enough. They don't lean into, like, making you, uh, like, uh, offensive. Um, the way that the undead do like they, they have everything these, is so expensive. Yeah. They have these strengths. So like everything feels more precious. Right. Yeah. Like it is closer in, in that way to the Protoss. Yeah. Where like the units are really powerful, but boy, is it an investment. Yeah. Like losing an orcish grunt is a bigger deal than losing a ghoul. Mm-hmm. Um, they take more food and they're much more expensive to make. Yeah. Um, and then building wise, they don't have anything interesting like the undead or the humans. Like you can't double up mm-hmm. building things. You can't, you just like set a pay on to build it and it just takes <laughs> forever. Um, so again, just kind of the offensive side of the coin yeah. from the humans. Yep. So in spirits of Ashen Vale, um, you are still not really working with a base. Like you have a gold mine, but your goal isn't so much, uh, to kill as many people as you can. It's to amass 15,000 lumber, which is far more lumber than you've had at any point in the game, um, mm-hmm. in a single time. And so this feels um, uh, a little bit like an impossible task that's going to take forever. There are things that uh, kind of ameliorate that and kind of complicate this and make it probably the most interesting mission in this campaign. Yeah, I think. Yeah, which is that you're getting you're subject to these night elf attacks. Yeah, um, these kind of hit and run things, and uh, you just have this timer to get to. Like you don't have to win; you just have to get that much lumber. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably going to have a hard time getting it without uh, going and doing the side quest. Um, where you have to kill this furbolg uh, chieftain to yeah. get these goblin shredders, <laughs> which uh, if you can ever get goblin shredders in a mission, you should. Oh, yeah. Because um, they freeze up all of your units to not get wood, mm-hmm. essentially. They are better than anything you have at getting wood. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you're just kind of clear cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, there are bases you're going to run into. Um, you can take them out or not. Yeah. Um, you can kind of you know, kind of slowly expand a base across the map in this. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping defenses around to protect your, your harvesters and just keep harvesting, or you can try to clear the map. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like there, like there are lots of like very valid approaches to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you move on to chapter five, which is the first, uh, chapter I had to cheat to get past. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is, I, this is really tough specifically because of that, uh, the, like those big pushes really early on. Like, they, like this is, this is a mission designed to disempower you at the start. I have, I have no idea what you're supposed to do. In this. So, <laughs> so the idea is like you start off with a bunch of little shitty bases. This is the hunter in the shadows. Yes. And, uh, Cenarius is there. Um, Cenarius is like this elven, uh, centaur god. Right. And he says, Hey, you know what? Fuck you. Um, <laughs> all these trees that you, you had, um, are going to actually turn against you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you have four bases. Um, and then just the elves fucking overrun and destroy, uh, three of them. Right. Um, the trees grow back. Um, if you're lucky, you can, uh, salvage a couple peons from there. <laughs> it's really and not have worth them. it. Yeah. I mean, but it's, that's all you can do. So yeah. don't try to defend them. And that's fine. Like that's kind of a cool setup for a mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but then immediately you're just beset by thousands of flying units. Steamrolls you. Like, yeah, from, like you're, you're, you're like, in a very difficult to defend position too. Like there are three, like, like, like three ro- like roads for ingress and they take all of them. And, and you can, so I've tried this a bunch of different ways. Like I tried, like, I'm going to take all my money and resources and just build turrets. And that didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, I still got all my units killed. Um, I'm, I'm just going to build spear throwers, yeah. you know, just the, the trolls. That didn't work. I'd build a mix. I would be, build uh, farms and throw some peons in there to make turrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing would work yeah. for this. Like I just, I tried it a bunch of times and I just always died at the point that they all, te- you know, and part of it is those fucking raiders, which I can't emphasize how annoying it is to like manually bring down these flying units. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's not just me. It's mechanically annoying too. So like flying units can stack on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing even which one I'm clicking uh, is difficult. Uh, getting the right Raider that has a fresh net is difficult. Um, building the Raider means I don't have a, a turret or I don't have two, you know, maybe two spear throwers mm-hmm. at the same time. So, and the Raiders are like their anti-air like net unit is so weak. Yeah. Like trolls and and the raiders are really really weak units mm-hmm. for a you know a race that's supposed to have pretty strong versions. I know I said they were strong last time. I meant not these two guys. Yeah, their torrents are great and their their grunts are great. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just found this like more like I couldn't do it. Yeah, and I just ran out. I'm sure if I kept trying it forever, like I would get it. Mm-hmm. But I got super impatient, and now is probably a good time to talk about the cheat system. Yeah, because one of the big things here, the problem is you can't build fast enough. At least not with the timers that are built into the game. Yes. Uh, so the cheats in this game are really creative and there are a bunch of different ones and allows you to kind of modularly uh, select difficulty um, because you can you can cheat and just have God mode, you know, God mode and you can cheat and give yourself resources, which is kind of boring. But there are all these cheats that just give you a little bit of an edge. <laughs> uh, and I really wish more games would do stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, so the one I would use is this warp 10, um, which just makes you build really fast, you know, and warp 10. And then there's one called sharp and shiny, which just upgrades your tech tree one level. Mm-hmm. Um, your, your passives and doing uh warp 10 and sharp and shiny once was the proper amount of cheating. Yeah. That got me just above the curve. It was still really hard. Like I still lost tons of people during this initial assault, but I got through it. Um, and then I could like build up some momentum, you know, but it's, it's, it was nice that I didn't have to just like put on God mode or nothing. Yeah. You know, no, definitely. Like just, it is a way to get that edge without making the game pointless. Yes. Yeah. Like you're yeah. still making, you're still making decisions. You still have like limitations um, that you're dealing yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still hard. Like mm-hmm. it's still like was tricky to do the rest of the mission after this point, but I just needed to survive that initial, you know, kind of blitz. Mm-hmm. And I still barely made it. 
<laughs> you know, barely, barely made it cheating. I don't know how you're supposed to do this. I've watched people do it online. I read strategies and it does not, does not help me. No, no. And like strategies for these games, it's very difficult to find like a broad strokes one. Usually it's okay, build three of these research up to this. Okay. Now build two of these units, but not actually in succession. You want to do one over here, one over here. Yes. It's almost like uh it's, it's like reading a, a walkthrough for an old text adventure where it's like, okay, W N N S. Yes. Yeah. It turns strategy into the same reason why I don't like the Advance Wars games, mm-hmm. where they're not so much strategy games where you can you're free to improvise. They are puzzle games where there's a correct order of operations that will solve the mission. Mm-hmm. You know, so like in Advance Wars, like you have to build very specific units and use them in a very specific way to beat some of those hard missions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not really another way around it. Right. And that sucks. Like I need to have a little bit more broadness in my play space, mm-hmm. I think. So anywho, I think this mission sucks. And uh, it sucks. It's after the last one, which I thought was cool, and yeah. it was a bummer to hit that first roadblock. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's a story beat here uh, because one of your uh, trolls senses this fountain, um, right? Whereas before, you know, we heard about uh, um, you know Manoroth coming here to take his children back, right? Well, he's corrupted um, and defiled this uh, this healing fountain in the north, and you have to lead uh, Hellscream uh, on a on a mission up there in order to get to that and kind of power up, which turns you um, into chaos orcs and changes your move set. Yes, well, it changes the move set of your casters mm-hmm. um, and turns you, uh, gives you chaos damage. Yes, which like, come on, what is this <laughs> fucking Yu-Gi-Oh? Um, you do chaos damage now, so you can fight Scenarius. Yes, so Scenarius is really hard too. Like, mm-hmm. what a, what a weird difficulty spike this is because <laughs> the you know future missions moving on from here are not as hard for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's a huge difficulty spike where you like you have that fuck you in the beginning and then you have to fight Scenarius. You have to jump through this hoop before you can even damage him. Mm-hmm. Like invincible enemies aren't that fight aren't that fun. And then Scenarius is just insane. Yeah. Like Scenarius has like so many hit points. You just have to throw an entire army at him to kill him. And here's here's a problem for me because because the the whole first half of this chapter is uh or this uh the, this campaign is so non standard. Like I don't know enough about the units it feels like or I don't know enough about taking care of a base. Like this no, is no. this is really the first the, the first time that you're like submersed in it. You've never we haven't had like a basic base building. Right. Uh you know kind of mission yet. Like it's just tossing us right in and maybe that's because it's so similar to humans. Mm-hmm. Um but it bums me out. Yeah. Like I, I think this mission is bad. Yeah. But by supping but, or sipping on this corrupted fountain like we are, yeah. <laughs> we, um, are we're, we are now uh, beholden to uh, to Manoroth again this whole uh, this whole Hellscream tribe. Yes, and he says, "No, nah, no, nah, you're slaves now." And it's like, "Well, shit, okay." Where Grom Hellscream is a uh, an agent of the demons. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> um, and now that he's you know kind of interesting, we move over back to good old reliable Bland Thrall. Yep, Thrall um, and Karen, the, the, yep. the, the sleepy boys, the slow buddies. <laughs> yep, slow men. <laughs> Warcraft three, slow men. <laughs> slow. Yeah. Uh, where wyverns dare yeah. which sounds super cool uh, this is an okay mission i mean no this is fine i just i'm bitter about thrall <laughs> fuck, a, fuck a thrall uh, people people they love they thrall man i don't get it man i do not uh he's noble but wise yep um he's brave but good so um Anyway, where Ivan's there, uh, Karn shows up and says, like, hey, we have to get to this fucking oracle. <laughs> Nothing you do in this whole campaign other than get lumber is interesting. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, so it's inaccessible by the ground to get to this peak, to get yes. to the Oracle. Yeah. Yep. So you have to uh, go get some air support, not just the, the, Zeppel- the Zeppelins, right, but also uh, wyverns. You free them uh, from a nearby camp after purifying a well, and uh, these are your incredibly powerful uh, air units. Yes. And uh, the idea here is essentially it's just a base-to-base mission, but you have a really uh, limited foothold right um onto uh to to a uh, base yeah, where there, uh, there is no way to run a unit up to the up to this base no you have to send zeppelins there with uh wyverns as kind of air support mm-hmm. in order to uh to kind of get up there yeah so <laughs> and there's really nowhere to run to either because if you no. leave, if you leave your zeppelins up there uh then they're going to be destroyed and there's no way down yes yeah yep yep um, but you, uh, you eventually uh, go up there and kill them. And we, we also find out that Jaina is also heading to this Oracle. Yes. Because everybody the, loves Oracles. Yeah. The, the part of the remnants of the Alliance. And so this yes. is, um, a, a mission here, the Oracle, which is a, uh, kind of, kind of a, a dungeon, dungeon crawl. crawl. Yeah. In yeah. these, uh, in these, in these cave tunnels in this hell biome. Yeah, I like these uh, these dungeon missions. Yeah, like the like so, so kind of like counter to what you said earlier. They do feel like puzzles, and it's pretty satisfying. Um, if I wasn't able to save wherever wherever I wanted to, um, but uh, it did, you know, it, it, it like it, you, you feel like you're making progress. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like there's one right way to do it though. Mm-hmm. Like when I say puzzles, that's what I mean. It's like yeah. there's just like move right three units, wait a beat, then go south and send this unit in with this ability activated. Yeah, like that's what I mean by puzzle, not like you know. Like literally, I am against puzzles. Like there are puzzles in this, but it's not the same. It's not like a strategy puzzle. Yeah. This just feels like um like an overhead, like a slower Diablo. Yeah. Like a Diablo with cooldowns kind of yeah. kind of thing. And like the, there were missions, like there were inside base missions in uh, Starcraft as well. Oh yeah, yeah, that's where they were introduced. But here's where they're really kind of leaning into them. There are a ton of them in the uh, Frozen Throne. Yeah. Um. So in this one, it's kind of cool because your heroes split up. You do mm-hmm. the Thrall half and then the Karen half. Yeah. Um, and I always do. I just send Thrall forward as much as I can yeah. without people with him because uh, it's hard to heal and I don't want to lose any units. So Thrall does as much as he can on his lonesome because he can summon uh, two spirit panthers. So uh, that helps him out a lot. Yeah. He's a regular Drizzt. Yes. Uh, yep. um, yeah. And uh, his chain lightning is really good. Like uh, none, none of the, you find a lot of very weak um, enemies here mm-hmm. and you're just able to uh, to soften them all up. You're able to loosen yep. the, uh, the lid of the jar. Yep. You yeah. can fuck shit up here. Um, you run into, uh, Jaina has set a trap for you. Um, yep. she disguises the troops as sheep, uh, yep. which is, there's a polymorph ability that the sorceresses have that we didn't really talk about, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually really powerful and great, but again, I'd have to click on it. So <laughs> I don't, I don't do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just picturing, not- picturing Mojo on the couch. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <pray> for Mojo. <laughs> um, it is, uh, yeah, it is, uh, active. Yep. So I don't really do it. But uh, yeah, you kind of push through and you kill a bunch of ancient undead, mm-hmm. um, and either flip a switch or start a bridge or do you know fiddle a, a fuddle. You do a dungeon. Yeah. Yep. You do a du- one half of dungeon, mm-hmm. and then you get to Cairn, uh, who does his half, which kind of highlights the way they they play differently because he has a much smaller u- unit of a uh, group of units. Mm-hmm. It's just his uh, the thunder hoofs or whatever the fuck they're called, mm-hmm. um, Torin Torin blood blood hoofs. Yeah. And uh, but they're super powerful. Yeah. So. Yeah, and you finally get to the end, and uh, turns out, Gary, you'll never, you never, never guess what the Oracle is the prophet. Oh, hey, it's not like that. Yeah, that is treated as a reveal in this game. Like those words don't mean the same fucking thing. Yep. Like, give me a break. We're on a different continent. This is the equivalent of uh, the, uh, the the water going the other way when you flush. 
<laughs> we got he's, Oracle's he's, prophets over here. Samuel L. Jackson, if he was an orc, he would be telling stories about how different it is in Kalimdor. Yeah, you mean they got prophets with teeth? Um, it's, it's literally a line in this where someone says, what? The prophet is actually the Oracle? And I, I rolled my eyes so hard that they still haven't recovered. <laughs> like, it was like a pug. They fell out and I had to go to the vet to put him back in. Don't judge me. The vet's cheaper. Um, and like, it is just, it is so dumb. It is yeah. so dumb. And then also just the plot be here is dumb where it's like, we must unite to fight the burning Legion and Hellscream. And it's like, like I didn't fucking figure that out. <laughs> um, and it switches into mission eight, uh, by demons be driven. Yeah. Um, where uh, you're, you're given an item, uh, real quick. Let's like have a, a quick two minutes or something and talk about inventory in this game. Cause we haven't really yes. talked about items and stuff. Um, so most of the time you're getting items, they're either consumables, they heal you or passive upgrades right. and that are statistical upgrades. Um, and your inventory limit of six at first seems generous, but I ran out of space constantly. Oh yeah. Like you're, you are, uh, you, you quickly have to learn which items are going to play to your hero's strength, mm-hmm. um, and jettison any of the permanent ones in order to have like a, uh, a rotating churn of consumables. I, I ended up favoring permanent ones as much as I could. Yeah. I had kind of one dedicated slot for a healing potion, but usually it would have that kind of be open. And then I would leave stuff around the map. Mm. Uh, which I'd go pick up and refill, but mostly I wanted stat upgrades. Yeah, you would already zero um, it. Yeah, um, and then also uh, claws of attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reason why that's important here is because you get a stone that you have to use to suck up Grom's soul, yeah. and that takes up a very precious inventory slot. Yes, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, it is. A, it's the safety bed, right? Yeah, but the the cool thing, yeah, is exactly um, the cool thing about this though is that like you're teaming up with Jaina. She's got her own base over to the west, and like she can more or less be fine yeah they're gonna make a couple really ill-advised attacks mm-hmm. but when they get attacked she's gonna ask for help and you more or less don't have to do it <laughs> right you're just kind of like i i hotkeyed one of uh just uh something over by the over by her base i was like ah you've got it under control you're good yeah. yeah yeah sometimes i would send my people over from time to time just to get experience like i'd send my heroes over but for the most part i would just hang out and do my own missions yeah so um while they're holding on the, onto themselves, uh, you're kind of going after the Hellscream bases, which are very scattered and not very well protected, um, except you're kind of introduced to fighting these big demon beasts, which don't really follow any of the rules. These uh, these Infernals, which um, are not organic, so you can't do spells against them, right. uh, they're way squishier than you think they are. Yeah. Like, they, they will get teleported to the front of your base. Mm-hmm. Um, if you build seven turrets, uh, you will never lose anything to them. Yeah. Um, like seven turrets plus one peon just patrolling to repair. Mm-hmm. Well, you never have to worry about this. Yeah. Um, and you just do that at every point they, they teleport in. Mm-hmm. Um, even when they send in two, it doesn't matter. Like right. your turrets will take care of them. They're weaker than they look. Um, so essentially you're just building a strong enough force to move through and kind of take out, take down Hellscream's uh, little miniature bases and eventually get his, uh, his big base, mm-hmm. um, which is like a demonic hellscape that is surrounded by these infernals and hellhounds. Um, but you just need to get close enough to him to use the stone on him. Yeah. Um, and suck up his soul. So it doesn't even need to be like a decisive victory. Nope. Um, after you get him, you run him back to Jaina in this like circle in the South and, uh, purify him. Yeah. Um, and so it's the boys are back in town. It is both of you ready to kick some ass together again. Yep. And you get a little, a little, uh, cut scene of, uh, thrall and Grom. Um, Jaina is just hanging out somewhere else, uh, <laughs> fighting Manoroth. And uh, I guess it's fine. It feels like it's cashing in on me thinking these characters are cool, which I don't. Yeah, like this definitely feels uh, feels like two action figures. Um, yeah, 100%. <laughs> a a like, little bit. 
I cannot get invested in these characters. This campaign sucks. Yeah. Or that, you know, this, uh, that individual campaign sucks. Yeah. Um, so, and it's just like, what did it accomplish? It did something and undid it. Right. Like, <laughs> like we are not, we're not any further along other than the, the humans and orcs having kind of a shaky alliance, mm-hmm. but it just, it made the, the orcs chaos orcs. Yeah. And then we freed Grom. All, all that it did, like it doesn't lead into the, the night elf campaign, like the human campaign led into the undead. All no. that it does is like your incursion, like you going into Ashenvale, uh, wakes up the night elves and gets them yes. involved in the conflict. Yeah. Which so is, that which is such is a still, tenuous connection. It's valuable, but it could have been done in any of the other campaigns. Yeah. You know, and between this and the intro, like the orcs just have some really boring content mm-hmm. uh, and this, and like the night elf campaign has some problems like, and we'll get to it, but it's, I think it's much more interesting. Yeah. And these, this is my second favorite race in the game. I think these guys are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, almost entirely on the strength of the archer, which is my favorite base unit. Oh yeah. In this, uh, in this game. Um, so we switched to Eternity's End, the Night Elf campaign, uh, with Chapter 1, uh, Enemies at the Gate. Yes, and you're going to be playing as Tyrande. Uh, yes. Tyriand, Tyrande. I'm going to sp- I spell it a lot of different ways throughout the notes, so I apologize. But you're playing as Tyrande Whisperwind. Uh, yes. This kind of, uh, she, 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 she's a ranger who rides a tiger. Um, yes. And uh, you are kind of uh, sent to defend Ashenvale from these orcs and humans, these interlopers who are kind of cutting into your sanctuary. Yeah. And unlike every other mission, like we kind of hit the ground running with this stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, we're learning uh, about her right away and how she works and how the night elves work, um, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, her uh, passive buff is so good. Yep. Um, it's like a plus 10, then 20, then 30 percent damage to any ranged unit mm-hmm. uh, within. And her uh, rolling with a crew of archers yeah. is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And like um, she has an auto cast like a um, direct damage spell too yeah that just uh yeah. like will... adds fire damage to her her arrows <laughs> yeah so like you're gonna churn through some mana but if you're using her on just like you know any kind of assault you just should always have that on and her ultimate ability is super good too where she heals everyone or no she doesn't heal that's a uh, the druid mm-hmm. but she does this starfall thing that just creates like a huge damage field around her that like will win battles mm-hmm. like she's great like she is she's one of the best heroes in the game i think yeah. um she's super cool um and you, you're building this base right away, so we can we can talk about elf generalities. Yes, uh, here. Um, so it's kind of hard to pin down like what the thesis is for the elves, at least for me. Um, they're 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 a big focus on kind of like hit and run ranged attacks. Like their base unit is ranged, which is which, which is bizarre. Usually, it's further up the tech tree um, uh, to, to to get to that. Here, it's reversed. Um, mm-hmm. and really like what it felt like to me was this is the, you know, this is not about assembling a large, um, a large force. This is about putting a small force right where it's needed at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're about trickiness, yeah. you know, like similar to, I mean, the undead are as well, but these guys are about, uh, kind of combat tricks. Mm-hmm. It feels like, um, their invisibility thing Yeah, is so, is so huge. Like ambushes, um, hit and run tactics, uh, guerrilla warfare, um, that is what they're about. And, and just that kind of like, you know, kind of glass cannony, you know, huge, like kind of fragile units, but you can put out like a unit of archers with, with Tyrande can put out so much damage so quickly. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you can just do really, really good work. We didn't really talk about it as an item, but like there's a, a town teleport spell, mm-hmm. um, that is so good for hit and run. Yeah. <laughs> like you can move into a base, like destroy a couple of towers, 
move in, kill a lot of peasants, mm-hmm. and then just teleport with all of your units. And then their uh, their farm unit, which is my second favorite farm unit in the game, other after the undead, uh, will heal you. Mm-hmm. So these guys have the easiest access to healing. It's not done through a unit. It's just if you're in your base, your <laughs> characters are being healed. Yeah. And uh, and you can always recharge, and that lends itself to that hit and run mm-hmm. feeling as well. Like yeah. when you run, you will get recharged faster than they can rebuild. Yeah, there's a really there's a really satisfying push and pull between like micromanagement and then just letting the AI do its thing here too, mm-hmm. specifically with the archers, because like you're going to be tempted to kind of worry over them and direct what they're going to attack, but that will actually move them in closer. Um, then they mm-hmm. need to move. Whereas like, if you just go up to the edge of like an enemy's perimeter and, you know, just post up like right close enough, they're going to know to stay far enough away um, yeah. and kind of take shots at the most vulnerable kind of stuff. So like it, it, it is a different rhythm, I think, to what it is asking you to do, but um, it, it really does like require you to trust the game yeah. to manage itself more. Well, put it, putting on um, like a line of archers, telling them to hold position mm-hmm. and then, uh, throwing my ballistae um, at a tower and that sends, you know, enemy units out to investigate who just get destroyed <laughs> by my line of archers who won't move. Um, you just have this, such a huge range, range advantage yeah. on anything that isn't uh, another range unit, which you're at equal footing with or a siege unit. And, you know, I, my hero can kind of dip in to check for siege units. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, it's a really satisfying tactic yeah. for things. And this is out of all the units in the game. Like I, the archers are useful throughout the entire tech tree. Yeah. Like, like you're always building archers. I found yeah, like they, they're always going to be good. They never get relegated. Uh, one of the trade-offs here is that like taking out an enemy base is often very difficult. Like I, I find that elves don't really do good at uh, at like destroying buildings. Yeah, you need to rely on that siege yeah. equipment because yeah. um, the ballista do great, mm-hmm. um, but you just you need to have it. Um, further up the tech tree, they get fiddly and weird. Yeah, um, like their basic stuff, I think, is wonderful. Um, the, uh, and, and it's kind of cool. They have, we didn't talk about this as a huge difference. Uh, their bases can move. Mm-hmm. So their and their bases can attack. Like yeah. their bases are units. <laughs> um, they can, uh, you can set them up to attack. They don't do a lot of damage, but like mm-hmm. similar to the call to arms thing with the humans, if your base is being attacked, turn all your buildings into units. Mm-hmm. Like they will, they will do more than they would just sitting there. Um, and, uh, it allows you to relocate. Um, they use yeah. that, the kind of annoying effect I find a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, a mission where you are traveling between gold mines. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of neat, but it's also just a little bit, you know, you don't, it's hard to get momentum. Yeah. Um, but their, their units can move. Um, their kind of later level stuff, um, their caster units and stuff get very fiddly. Yeah. Um, so their main caster unit is a centaur, uh, who dispels things and a, uh, storm shaman that puts something in a whirlwind to take it out of the battle. Right. A little bit, which is very like micromanagey to me. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like the different kinds of druids and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, that's how they get their their tank class. Which uh, their tank class is a really powerful hero healer, mm-hmm. yeah, as well, which is really kind of cool. And you have to they're modal, like you switch them between being a bear, which is their their tank, or making them a uh, a healer. Yeah, um, which is kind of an interesting trade off. Mm-hmm. Um, their flying unit are these hippogriffs, and those are interesting because they are air to air. Mm-hmm. attackers usually but if you put, you can make a archer mount them yes and it becomes a huge resource investment but then it becomes a very mobile <laughs> archer yeah um, that can attack on ground and air mm-hmm. yeah and their uh their basic worker unit is a, is a wisp we didn't uh, yes. we didn't quite mention that and uh one thing that's great about them is wood is an infinite uh resource for them yes you don't like change um, the shape of the terrain around your base by harvesting a forest you just kind of like pin them to a tree and they constantly just siphon and you can do it from anywhere on the map. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do that and use them as spies, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're deep in the forest. So like, you know, like you can see the edge of the road, but it'd be hard for a unit to get to them. Yeah. Um, another thing that is kind of a disadvantage though, is that their buildings are wisps. Yes. So a wisp doesn't build a building. It turns into a building. Right. Um, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. And then, uh, the other kind of big thing we mentioned is that there a bunch of their units are invisible at night mm-hmm. um, or can turn invisible. Um, the campaign uses this to kind of annoying effect, I yeah. find, um, for a couple of missions. But I can imagine it being really, really cool. Um, and I did use it, like, mm-hmm. in some of the, the missions where it's like, yeah. oh, I didn't – I realize it's at night. I can turn invisible and just make this encounter end. Yeah. You know, because everyone <laughs> will walk away from me. Right. Um, and then I heal for a little bit and then come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So – so They're pretty sweet. It's it's kind of one of those. It's weird. It's one of those races. Uh, one of those races. It is a strange race in that it is more satisfying at the low level for me because I can kind of like wrap my head around it and like get a lot of mileage out of those units more so. Um, yeah. And then as it goes along and gets more complicated, like I kind of feel like I'm not using the units to their full potential by oh, not me micromanaging too. them. Yeah. I never used like a storm shaman for anything good. Yeah. Like uh, you know anything that was very really useful. Um, it's like, a, and, and so the centaur ladies, I barely used as well. The dryads. Yeah. I barely use them. Um, I, I, I get it. They dispel magic. That's cool. But it just, <laughs> and they can even auto cast. I just never like, and I didn't, wasn't aware enough when my units were under the effect mm-hmm. of negative spells. Yeah. Um, enough to, to do things with it. Yeah. So. so that would just be something that would be knowledge that would come with knowing, okay, I'm fighting the undead and they have this particular caster here. I need to make sure I have a, uh, one of these dryads with me. Yeah. Yeah, as part of that arms race. So, uh, anywho, uh, you build this elven base and you use these archers to kind of do hit and run tactics on these paladins. Uh, <laughs> between their invulnerability, paladins can turn invulnerable. Yeah, uh, which I could have done as Arthas, but never did. Yeah, uh, which <laughs> I, I we didn't really even mention, but I just because I never used it for one reason or another. Yeah, and uh, the undead show up here, and the elves actually retreat because yeah. kind of disempowerment is a theme of these guys. Like they are not. It takes. A, they are building up the ability to be a force to be reckoned with. Yes, through the through the story. Yeah, and this kind of uh, the, the, they know what this is. They, they they know that the undead are being driven by these demons because uh, Archimond and Tyrande they uh, they have a history, you know, ten thousand yes. years ago or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we move on to the uh, the second mission is Daughters of the Moon. Yes, this is um, a stealth is, mission. Yeah. Yeah. Which is it's mostly you're just uh, Tyrande, mm-hmm. um, and again you can just turn invisible at any time. So like. If an enemy sees you, turn invisible. <laughs> they will, and they'll, they'll, lose they'll wander away like an idiot. Yep. Um, and she has other abilities. She creates an owl scout, which is our other ability that lends itself to this kind of stealth yes. play. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, boy, that is something like <laughs> she is not somebody who is uh, very powerful at the low end because that's what she starts with is, uh, yeah. is, is just the ability uh, to make the owl. It takes several levels to uh, to get yeah. the really good stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if this was just I walk around and I turn invisible till they walk away, it would be really kind of just boring and annoying. However, you are kind of like watching these skirmishes between the Alliance, the Horde and the undead. Um, as yeah. you go along, you're kind of like getting these little mini scenes of how these, you know, kind of different power dynamics play out, um, uh, you know, across these different bases. Yeah. And, and it kind of positions you as not, I mean, you're taking a side obviously, but you are in between a conflict. Yeah. You don't trust kind of, the, 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 the orcs and humans yet. Yeah. Um, so you kind of move through, eventually you have to take out an undead base with a finite amount of units, Yeah, which is hard, like save before you try to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you get a bunch of ballista. Yeah. And those are, those are great. Yeah. Um, and the, and the uh, nice thing is you don't have to take out the base. You just have to get through it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which again, you can turn invisible. So like you can do that. <laughs> um, the, uh, so you get through here you're, and you find out you have to awaken the druids. 
Yeah. Um, so again, you're you're making a, available these things that are later on your tech tree. Yeah, and that is what this entire campaign is about. It's, it's kind of weird. Much like it is. It is a weird way to end. Is, is going out and assembling the Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so moving through to the awakening of Storm Rage. Yeah, so you need to blow the horn of Cenarius in order to get uh, in order to proceed here, but that is beyond this orc base. But fortunately, mm-hmm. again, because the goal is not eliminate this entire base, you just have to get past it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I just I just kind of pushed forces through until I was on the other side. Yeah, and you have to do this. Uh, it's encouraging you not to turtle here because you have a time limit. The undead are hacking through these uh, forests to get to the Druid Burrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to kind of kind of push through here. Um, but it's kind of there's a push and pull here because you can't go through uh, very weak. You can't descend Tronda because you have to fight these elemental guardians right. to do this. Um, so you have to find the balance of just getting in just enough uh, units mm-hmm. to make it through uh, without actually dedicating your entire kind of tech tree and building up a huge force. Yeah. So this took a couple tries for me, not like, yeah. not like reloads, but just kind of like several different sorties into it. Yeah. This is hard. Yeah. Um, after you get there, the druids wake up and, uh, <laughs> you know, fight it back against the undead by creating the, uh, turning the trees into ants. And, uh, we get to chapter four, the druids arise. <laughs> um, apparently this, this subplot with Furion and Taronda and then, uh, the other character we're going to get, um, Illidan mm-hmm. is all from a novel. Uh, I remember reading. Okie dokie. So it's like the way the way the love triangle stuff feels really shoehorned in here is because they are making reference to a novel. Cool, which everybody will have read, shipped with it, right? Especially, yeah, especially pre World of Warcraft yeah. Warcraft novels. Uh, but yeah, that yeah. is uh, again that that dedication to their lore is just I, so. The, the, in this complete. one instance, I don't know why that just makes me very sad. <laughs> um, because it's pretty sad. Maybe because it's pretty, it's like late here, but like just. Yes. <laughs> It is just. It's, it, I feel bad for the writer who is like, "Hey, here, read these uh, these atrocious paperbacks, and then incorporate the plot details <laughs> into this RTS you're trying to build." Oof. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but uh, Furion, he's one of these uh, one of these druids, and he is in love with Tiranda, and you know he he lays it on thick. My love, you know, my eternal. <laughs> it's like the Amzadis from uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Ugh. It's like uh, Troy and Riker. Like you will always be my Amzadi. You know, it, it is that kind of thing. Gross. Um, so th- this whole, the concept of this mission is to teach you that the, the night elves can move their base. Right. Uh, because none of the gold mines in this area have more than 2000 gold. <laughs> right. So you have to stay on the move and you cannot take the time or the resources to kind of like build up new bases. So this is a great idea. I think what mm-hmm. sucks is you are pinned to what has to be the slowest moving units of the game outside of Cairn. In Your that tree. One mission. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to actually move, you know, create new bases and not just create, you know, a brand new or move your base rather than just create a brand new tree. And they want you to move your base, but it just takes forever. And like the kind of cool thing is there's an undead base in the lower left and a orc base in the lower right or a human base rather. And they're going to fight yep. and they don't care about you. <laughs> um, so it's kind of cool to see these air skirmishes constantly. Mm-hmm. Like it has a sense of busyness and action that is really admirable and kind of cool. It just takes forever. This mission is so fucking slow. Yeah. And, and that's not even counting the entire second half of it that is dealing with this defiled swamp. Yep. And like an undead Lord, it's like two missions kind of like <laughs> stuck together. Yeah. Um, this revenant Lord. And like, I just took my heroes in here because I didn't want my, cause the, the whole thing is like, Oh, ghosts can possess your units. And I'm like, why? No, I don't want to do with that. Like, no. I only have like four thousand. Like, I have six thousand gold so far. Like, <laughs> units are very valuable. 
Um, you know, I'm just going to go in here by myself. And it just took forever. Yeah. Um, you get Furion, mm-hmm. which is like, he's a cool hero. Yeah. Um, he makes Ents, which are really useful. Um, and then he also uh, can give your eyes a uh, aura where uh, they do splashback damage. Mm-hmm. And then his final ability is this tranquility, which is a, the most powerful heal in the game. Yeah. And it's really hard to lose a battle while that's going on. Yeah. Um, so that's really, really good. Yeah. So he's very good to have around. Yeah. Especially um, when this game gets unreasonable in very short which, order. Yeah. Which continually from here on. So, so you kill this Revenant Lord mm-hmm. um, and eventually you make your way up to this Night Elf base. Um, yes. that has been corrupted. Yeah. And I, I love the alternate, like the color scheme for the yeah. corrupted druids, the angry trees. How about yeah. them apples? Ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. so before you can awaken the, the druids, um, you have to take out this night elf base. And again, you have very, you have a limited amount of resources. Mm-hmm. Like you have a certain number of gold mines you can get. Yeah. So um, just forcing you mechanically to be as nimble as possible. I love uh, the layout of this is a place where the three dimensionality, uh, mm-hmm. really, has effect because the night elf, ba- the corrupted base is at the bottom of a ridge. Yeah. So you can position uh balliste at the top of this ridge and mm-hmm. anything that comes out of this choke point will get shot by balliste. Yeah. And it's pretty great. Um, a couple archers there to deal with any flying units they send. And like, you're kind of golden. Yeah. You know, you can, you can box these guys in while you do your little sorties and, and, uh, and get in, Yeah. you know, and hit and run them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, now it is time to awaken the druids of the claw. Yes. Uh, this is a dungeon mission. Yeah, this is... Uh, I had to cheat on this one. I, I did not have to cheat on this one. Um, I'm trying to remember the three... I know, the, obviously, the last mission. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the third one I had to cheat on, but it wasn't this one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, this is hard. Um, I, di- I didn't do what they wanted me to do. I kind of brute forced my way through this one, at the very mm-hmm. least. Yeah. Um, so it's a big dungeon mission, um, and you find out that the Druids of the Claw, which are your bear druids, yeah. um, are corrupted. They've got feral. Like, They've gone feral from hibernating too long. Um, so you just go through this huge dungeon. Again, every mission here is now like an hour long. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're kind of doing two things. Um, you're going to go get the uh, the Druids of the Claw mm-hmm. um, to to free them. Um, and then you find out, hey, Illidan's down here. Yeah. Tranda's like, I love Illidan. Um, <laughs> he would help. And it's like, no, no, he's been imprisoned for a reason. I don't know if we ever find out those reasons. Again, it's in the book. It is. Um, and like Illidan's very important. Like uh, he's a fixture in WoW. Um, yeah. He was uh, he was kind of the main villain of uh, Burning Crusade and is going to be uh, uh, one of the heroes in Legion. I found okay. out like he like he is a mainstay. This this uh, corrupt blood elf who uh, kind of fell from grace and uh, kind of made this made this deal with the devil to get kind of like the best of both worlds. Um, yes. is definitely a thing. I don't know. Like, it, I don't think it's ever explicitly said, and I don't know, but it is something so ghastly in his past, uh, that I think he had to be blinded by his best friend and then locked away, uh, conscious and awake for thousands of years. Yeah. I find him annoying. Yeah. I, I don't like playing as Illidan and I don't think he's interesting. Right. Um, you know, and it's just like, so you have to go through his prison as well. You're doing these two things, finding the undead to free Illidan and then going through these, uh, you know, and, and it's a fail condition mm-hmm. to kill any of these bear druids. Yeah. So they want you to use the uh, storm storm druids thing to uh, throw them up in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just ran away. and yep. uh, I ran uh, away too, um, except for the one point where they put a bunch of them in a row and you cannot uh, pathfind around them. So you have to do it. So you have to lift them up. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the one that I had to do. Yeah. Or you can, you can make uh, one of them because uh, you can also you have a thing that puts people in place mm-hmm. like a thorn aura. Or an entanglement. And what I did was shoot one of them. 
Yeah. And then after he came for me and tangled and tangled him and then ran by. Yeah. Um, so you can kind of do that, but it's annoying Yeah. Um, to do these two things. And again, it takes forever to get through and once you get there and you know talk some sense into those you you kind of like go back over to uh to Rhonda, who is in this prison um fighting off the uh the the guardians who are put there to kind of keep uh intruders away from uh uh you know freeing illidan right yes yeah yeah uh moving on to chapter after you do so you move on to chapter six a destiny of flame and sorrow pretty good name yeah yeah As so a- this begins with a duel between arthas and illidan we are not so different you and i uh <laughs> the, the cliches are coming fast and furious at this point. Like Illidan is a cliche machine. Yes. And when he's on the screen, it is just every dialogue gets converted to a little bit more trite. Yeah. 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 So Arthas is here and he is very much scheming against uh, Tychondrius because Arthas is an agent for the Lich King. Um, and uh, Illidan, who we are now in charge of, uh, is uh, wanting to kind of take Arthas's powerful skull that is being used to uh, to corrupt the forest. Do you, uh, when you die, can I have your powerful skull? Uh, I think we've, we've already talked about that. Whoever, okay. <laughs> whichever one of us dies first, um, gets the other skull. Okay. And then, uh, whenever, when we both die, Brian Wade gets both of them. Yes. Um, okay. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah. And then, um, and then Ben gets Brian Wade's skull and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, can, it continues on yeah. until at the very least there's just a truck that dumps a whole bunch of skulls on grandpa Greer's <laughs> lawn. <laughs> like, this is this is truck four or five. Yeah, it's just like, what, what, what what's this? What's this? Autumn, Autumn, come out. What's this? We're skeleton. I love. Um, I'm just picturing unloading skulls with a pitchfork. Yeah, it's, it's very, a living. It's very late. Oh gosh, but uh, but yes, skulls of power are in play. And um, yeah. you're 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 playing as Illidan, who is uh who is a very aggressive unit. Like he's a little bit like uh, again, he's like an Arthas a little bit. He's yeah, he or he's also another agility unit. Like yeah. some of the things I might have ascribed to him are are more true of uh or of uh Hellscream are actually true of Illidan. Yeah. I think uh, Hellscream maybe has the uh, dodge aura, but Illidan has the critical hit aura. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's an agility unit as well. Like he's a uh, uh, does a lot of damage. But he's like a DPS machine. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing he does is he puts on a fire aura next to him. So anything that's next to him takes damage. And he can carve through a lot of shit. Yeah. Like he's tough, but he does a dumb little like pretty twirl. Like he does a little like ballerina like pretty twirl uh, when he attacks that I think is stupid. Yeah. And uh, also his voice like what? Uh, so something we didn't talk about is one of my favorite things that in this game. I know we're, we've been recording for a long time. I know it's late <laughs> where you're at. So I just had to throw it out there is that your characters will do their badass quotes when you're attacking boxes to get treasure. <laughs> yep. So like when just like your reign of terror ends now and then attacking <laughs> you a crate. Mine. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, for Azul. And you're just like destroying a crate. I, I think is very funny. <laughs> and it happens a thousand times in this game. Yep. Um, and specifically like Illidan is the most serious emo mm-hmm. like piece of shit that there is. So like it happens a lot for Illidan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but essentially you are kind of going through, um, there are some, uh, demon units here on the map. Yeah. Um, and essentially you have to get past this corrupted night elf base. Yeah. You have to get past that in order to get to this, uh, um, in order to get to this demon base, which again is just full of a bunch of demons. They do not, they don't play by any of the rules. They can just summon it. Yeah. Yeah. But again, again, the game is bringing the rules consistently now. This yeah. might've been the other one I had to cheat against because you had to fight against Tychondrius yeah. When you get there, and it's very tough. Yeah. After Illidan touches the skull and transforms. Um, yes, you know, the dark Illidan. Yeah. Um, yes. It becomes demonic himself, right? Yep. And Furion says, I don't, I have no brother. 
because <laughs> uh, melodrama and like, boy, are they cranking up this cliche bullshit at the end of this game. Yeah. Um, and you get to chapter seven, Twilight of the Gods, which is a game I like a lot in theory. Uh, or and, a level I like a lot in theory. Yeah. Like this yeah. is this is a, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's it's a last stand almost. Yes. Right? You are trying to buy time. Uh, it is like a gigantic map and most of it is filled with bases that are already built. Yes. Um, and you are, you know, working with two computer controlled allies. You know, you have orcs down here and you have humans over here. Um, and you've got your people here in the middle and you are trying to, uh, protect this gigantic world tree at the top of this mountain for 45 minutes. Yes. Which is a long time. Um, and there's an undead base at the lower left that is, uh, unassaultable, right. um, unassailable. The, uh, the cool thing about this, this feels like what, like half the campaign should have been <laughs> instead of shoehorning in this Illidan bullshit, um, should have been like, Hey, like we have a common enemy. Let's actually do something about it, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen until the last mission. Uh, which I think is a real bummer. And, but it's cool though, to have this kind of roundup of like the bases we built. Mm-hmm. Like I remember human bases. Yeah. I remember these guys. You you don't get to control them. Mm-hmm. You just get to support them, but there's a fully base, you know, fully built human base mm-hmm. going on down there that it's, you know, it's up to you to kind of protect yeah. Uh spoiler. You won't. Nope. <laughs> um, the, uh, it feels like on timers, they spawn, um, mid or they, they spawn, uh, like the mega, the mega demon. Mm-hmm. Like Ar- Archimonde or what have you, yeah. who is invincible. Yeah, and, and he, will, he will. He hangs out until you kill enough of his units, where eventually he gets despawned. Mm-hmm. So when when he is sent to the your your buddies, that's it. Yeah, for your you buddies, just have to you have to rally as much as you can in order to just hold on. Yes. So you know, I sent uh, sent my guys down there. I even built turrets mm-hmm. down uh, in my in my friends' bases while trying to fortify my base. Um, all for naught. Right. I have no idea how anyone beats this without cheating. Neither do I. Not in a million um, years. Th- there are dedicated facts to doing that. Like they're like again, it's that puzzle solution uh, kind of approach. But like you know, there there are build orders. It is so hard because it, this is hard cheating. Like this is hard with me. I giving myself unlimited resources, mm-hmm. uh, so I could just build turrets and build turrets. Like at first, I was like, I'm going to build I got like ten turrets for each human and orc base. Yeah. You know, because I want them to get to my base because I want some of that drama. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this was after trying many times legitimately. Yeah. Um, but that didn't work. So eventually I just kind of like, how much of this land can I fill with turrets? <laughs> the end of the base, I, I still almost lost. Mm-hmm. Like it just steamrolls you. Like it yeah. is so powerful. And so it feels, uh, it, it's it's like, you know, we, as we've said, it's a mandated failure. Like they steamroll yeah. it. And like he's just bo- he's just barely supposed to get through your base at the, at, yes. at the end of it. And like being <laughs> just having that responsibility put on you to like balance on that razor's edge doesn't feel fun. Because it feels like, like there's a more gonna, elegant way to do it. If, if it comes down to like the last five minutes, no matter what, A, why is this a 45 minute mission? Yeah. Um, and B, like, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. Like it, it, it feels like something that needs to be a cinematic. Yeah. Yeah. It is. There's a way you could have done that, which would have been have it be play fair for the entire thing up until that, uh, you know, even though you, I guess you don't need the mission, but have it play fair until the end mm-hmm. and then have him show up for the dramatic moment. Yeah. You know, if certain conditions like scale his power to the power of your base mm-hmm. so he can only tear through like, you know, leaving a, a one line of lonely buildings standing before the goal. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you could it feels like math could have fixed this math could have fixed it. And like even just like from a design standpoint, this isn't really testing anything that I've learned. No, no. I mean, other than if you've 
mastered things you have not been tested. Yeah, unless you've just kind of like you've been playing the multiplayer mm-hmm. for for years. That's what it's testing because you're good enough to know that that precise build order that completes this mission. Yeah, it is too. It is too hard by like half. It's like 150 percent too hard. Yeah, um, to where you know again hard even if you're cheating. Yeah. Um, th- like a cool way to do this, I feel like, or like one way to do it would have been to lift that food limit. Mm-hmm. Because like if there's gonna be a time where you're gonna pull out all the stops, this is it. You know, but they, it's like they try to do, they introduce mercenary units here. There are a lot of mercenaries you can hire, um, but there's no point because they still count against my food limit. Right. So like if they didn't count against my food limit, at the very least I could bolster my forces. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that's not what happens. No. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm not ashamed to say that like I hit that 40, like the 40 minute wall with the five minutes left. Um, so many times it was just like, I'm going to God mode because like if, <laughs> if it's a difference between seeing it on YouTube, like seeing the ending yeah. on YouTube and like seeing this, like I just, I can't, there's no way I can. Yeah. And, and God mode makes your units and buildings invincible, but also makes you kill things in one hit. Yeah. Um, so I didn't end up God moding on this one. Um, but I, you know, practice with it before I kind of scale back the cheats for the other missions that I had to cheat on. Um, this one, I just ended up doing unlimited, uh, currency and built unlimited turrets <laughs> and just filled every space on the map with turrets. Carpeted. And uh, still, and always had was always at my max unit. Like always had ninety, you know, hippo, hippogriffs and bears and archers, <laughs> and uh, still didn't do it. Yeah. So if if they're just if you're purely going for sense of scale, mm-hmm. like it succeeds at that, and it is cool to see the alliance actually take place, but boy, is it too hard and hostile, which sucks because it's like a shitty way for the game to go out on. Like it's the last mission of the game. It feels bad. Um. So after he eventually gets it, uh. You know, he gets up to the world tree. So again, invalidating everything you did. Um, <laughs> Furion blows the horn of Centarius, uh, which summons these sprites to destroy uh, Archimonde. Yeah. Which so like. You were luring him into a, a, a trap where glitter would kill him. If you were luring him into a trap, why didn't you just let him in? <laughs> it's like so many people lost their lives. Um, and uh, the Oracle then says, I'm no longer needed here. I'll see you <laughs> on the Frozen Throne. And <laughs> the Frozen <laughs> Throne <laughs> con <laughs> 1994. Um, and, and then uh, the game ends with uh, continuing our trend of awesome credits <laughs> remix things. Uh, a really goofy credit sequence. Uh, which is uh, little like little bits as if the game was a movie. Yeah. Um, this little story about uh, Arthas playing guitar at a concert. Yeah, um, it's like uh, it's like the end of uh, Star Control Two. Yes, yeah. the The idea being that like this is cool, funny stuff we can do with the engine. Yeah, um, and it's goofy. Yeah, and then uh, and then Warcraft Three is over. Yeah, this is a long game. It's um, very long. <laughs> you know, it, it it is definitely one that resists our treatment in a lot of ways, specifically because. You know, like like because of that variety and because so much of the experience, it is training you for this for this uh, kind of multiplayer that we're never going to have either the drive or the wherewithal to kind of like engage with. It's also so much of the like it's a long game, even if I mean, this is a long episode by by our standards, but like even if it wasn't mm-hmm. um, the amount of time we spent talking about this stuff, a lot of it is just like waiting and building things up yeah. and seeing the satisfaction of building a base and growing in power slowly um, seeing a, a hero get more powerful, that a uh, numbers going up thing mm-hmm. that is so important to World of Warcraft is still uh, present here. Yeah, um, I don't know if we sold uh, 
as much as like I complained about this game a lot, especially in the back half, I really like it. Oh yeah. Like I had a lot of fun with it, especially it's, the first half of the game. Definitely. I think that it really shines in, in human and in uh, undead, mostly because of like the contrast between the two of them. It really feels mm-hmm. like a, it really feels like a big gear shift. Um, and I think that like, even though the, the, the plot there is very, uh, you know, kind of melodramatic, you know, you just have that standard fall from grace kind of thing. Like it, it does feel, it does feel more novel at that yeah. point. Yeah, it, it just it's it's kind of by the numbers. It feels good. The Night Elf could have mission could have been that because it is really novel, and I like the way that unit plays. But it feels like it was really hamstrung by this. Like we got to get Illidan in here. Yeah, we got to get you know uh, kind of kind of tie up these lore knots. And like as much as I kind of talked a lot of sugar about how dedicated uh, Blizzard is to their lore, like this is a concrete example of it hurting a game, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a bummer. And yeah. there's not very much redeemable about the orc mission other than a couple of bright spots. Yeah. Like um, specifically the uh, the lumber gathering mission yeah lumber mission and a couple of the, the just basic like base versus base stuff mm-hmm. is still fun um because base versus base stuff in warcraft 3 is fun yeah. you know every once in a while like in between missions where you're advancing the plot and doing other stuff mm-hmm. um with a twist but it's like a very fun game it's it's like i i, I like this game i feel like everyone should play it because mm-hmm. it's so important and it's the birth of so many things yeah um it's just it's really long and it is so hostile and that that difficulty is their RTS thing. Mm-hmm. Like Blizzard really weirdly switch gears to say like, no, everyone should be able to play our games. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a big thing about WoW. I know that's a big thing of like their uh, their MOBA and their um, uh, or the Heroes of the Storm. Like the whole idea of that is that's a MOBA for like people who don't know MOBAs. Yep. Hearthstone, and same way. Hearthstone, you know, same thing. Like you don't know collectible card games. Like here's a really easy approachable one that's still good. That's kind of part of their philosophy. Um Prior to to that, their philosophy was uh, "fuck you." Um, this is hard, and you had to be good enough to beat it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like Warcraft one and two are definitely like that. Beyond the Dark Portal is insane. Yeah, um, that's really really hard. Um, you know, I never beat it as a kid, and I tried uh, <laughs> really really hard. So it's like it's just a little bit unbalanced. And we talked a lot about in the early part of this episode about the you know the kind of dissatisfaction with a super smooth curve. Mm-hmm. Or a really smooth kind of focus tested thing, and this the difficulty is the one aspect in which it swings too far in the other direction. Yeah, and very like, very abruptly too. Like yeah. right around the tail end of the orc campaign, it feels like there's something like there, there's a chunk that was that, that that that's missing where the yeah. slope just gets incredibly. It becomes a wall almost. And it's it's not just us. Like people, if you go online, like there are fa- these missions that we had a really hard time with, specifically the last one in Orc mm-hmm. Five. Like people, you know, that's a common message word topic. Yeah. Like how the fuck do I beat this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like that, that is such a shame because for, for, for me personally playing this game when I'm not, you know, on a time crunch and I was like, okay, I need to get this done because of all this other stuff. But like the actual, you know, sitting down and, you know, engaging with the mission is very relaxing. Oh like, yeah. If you're of a mindset where you want to like optimize a system, like building the economy in this, even though it's very much the same steps over and over again, if you, you know, don't have any external constraints on it, is a very satisfying uh kind of exercise. Oh, totally. You know? Like it is very fun to watch like get a very powerful base. Mm-hmm. And uh they kind of took out some of the like the layout stuff from Warcraft uh, one and two, where you used to build walls and you used to have roads mm-hmm. that you would build, so it felt a little bit like SimCity. Um they took that out for this, but what they, you know, there's still a modicum of just like, this is powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, this is powerful. I have my exits covered. Like this is a, a nice little defensible area. Now I'm going to use this and do these excursions. Like it's something I said early on where it's like, it's one type of game powering another type of game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that it actually combines those is really, uh, 
admirable and something I don't see a lot. Mm-hmm. Like that smooth of a blending of different game types. Yeah. You know, because the RT, this could just be an RTS. Mm-hmm. Like if you didn't have any of the hero units, you didn't have any of that weird stuff, like it would still be a good RTS. Yeah. It has four <laughs> different races that play very differently um, and are interesting. Flavor-wise and mechanic-wise. It's it's so rare that, like, ambition is expressed by, like, trying to do more and compromising. Like, they mm-hmm. they, they kind of burned their ships a little bit yeah. by doing more than just making this an RTS. And it just, the, when it works, but it works, like, 80% of the time. Right. You know, it's like, the, there are times where it's, like, it's very fun to, like, I'm going to build units just to make support for this little role-playing game I'm playing. Mm-hmm. You know, that wouldn't be out of place in like a, you know, an early PC role playing game where you click on your eyes from above, make yeah. them attack. You know, it, uh, it does a really good job with that. So it is, uh, it's the kind of thing where like I could see myself falling. If the writing was better, I would have fallen down a hole with this shit. Yeah. Like playing this game when I first played it, I really loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I cared about any of the characters at all, I might have tried wow. <laughs> it's like, it's the weird, like that's what they wanted was to kind of invest me in that stuff. I never did. Instead, they, moved to a different game type, and then I didn't, you know, by the time StarCraft II came around, it was already kind of too late. Yeah. So I didn't follow this uh, this franchise or this company in this direction, and it kind of bums me out that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was satisfying, because I played this, I played Warcraft 3 at launch, and I played WoW at launch, and I had just enough investment in the broad strokes melodrama of it to to, to really kind of make that make that leap almost seamlessly. Yeah. 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 It's a good game. Yeah. Good game, really important game. I'm glad that we uh, yep. we covered it. It's a good game, and even if you do need to cheat, like the cheats are very interesting and make the yep. game, you know, still remain fun, even if you are getting an unfair advantage. And if we're going to do one RTS, I'm really glad we did this, which has those kind of interesting little beats mm-hmm. and is so influential. And we didn't end up doing like Command and Conquer, Blech. you know, because like like I I have some affection for those games, mm-hmm. but it's not uh they're not as ambitious right. and not as interesting. They would re- resist our treatment more, you know. So we we this is our like our second attempt at trying to integrate RTS into our show format. Mm-hmm. And at first we thought like, oh, sacrifice is an interesting twist on it. We can do that with sacrifice. Yeah. And it is an interesting twist with it, but it's, you know, <laughs> it, it didn't work out well. <laughs> yeah, it was totally a dead end. This is the way that we got an RTS under our belt. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if we don't do another one. <laughs> um, you know, like I, I think we could, we probably have room for another turn-based strategy game at some point. Yeah. Like we could like Alpha Centauri or something, but the, uh, I don't know that, uh, this might be us for RTSs. Yeah. And I'm glad it was this game. It's going to, it's going to have to be something like freedom force. Oh yeah. And freedom force is not really an RTS. Like that is a, and I, we, I mean, I really want to do freedom force at some point. Mm -hmm. Like, man, remember when irrational, like did stuff (laughs) that wasn't just, you know, lighthouses and girls. Like I would have been, I really want to do, do, do freedom force at some point. Yeah. What do we do next time, Cole? Well, Gary, next time uh, we're going to be covering our uh, brawler poll winners. Uh, you'll remember last uh, time we announced those. It's going to be Dungeons and Dragons, Shadows over, over Mistara, and Turtles in Time, which is my turtle delivery service. Yes, and uh, they are on time. Turtles on time. Um, you're just going to deliver this in turtle time, aren't you? <laughs> um, the uh, uh, Those are the ones I campaigned for. I'm glad they won. Um, that's going to be really fun. That is going to be a fun episode. Yeah. Um, we probably will, a couple of people have asked, we probably will talk a little bit about Tower of Doom. There, um, there's so much overlap in the way that they play. Like, it, like Tower of Doom can be contained in a discussion about Shadow over Mistara. Yeah, and, and that's and that's why we chose Shadow of Mistara, because it is, uh, it does everything that Tower of Doom does, but it does it better. Yeah. So it's like, Tower of Doom is still good mm-hmm. if you just want something else to do, but uh, Shadow of Mistara is more ambitious and more complicated. Yeah. Um, after that, we're doing an edutainment suite. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing Oregon Trail, 
Uh, don't expect that to be a huge part of the episode. Right. Uh, in fact, don't <laughs> expect this episode, that episode to be three hours long. Nope. At all. Um, because we're pairing that with Typing of the Dead, which I booted up last night and remains delightful. Nice. I'm happy it will uh, run. Windows 10? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It runs on Windows 10. Um, follow the directions mm-hmm. uh, for the for the Abandonware uh, precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, you can play it before it actually runs right where it won't have sound. Oh, if sure. you don't have sound, you're doing something wrong. Oh, yeah. Uh, so go back to the instructions. Okay. So... Uh, but yeah, that's that is delightful and fun, mm-hmm. and I'm really looking forward to talking about that game. Yeah, because that's a favorite. Yeah, and then after that, we have a full month of Fallout New Vegas. Yep, which I also started because uh, mm-hmm. I was feeling ambitious, and uh, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, like it is going to be. So, warning: that episode is going to be a de facto anti Fallout Three episode <laughs> because I already started out, and my this is already so much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Like you immediately as soon as you leave the you know docks house it's like oh big iron is on the radio a <laughs> robot that's based on like slim pickens walks up and it's just like this is already so much more flavorful and cool <laughs> than anything in fallout 3 and it's only been two seconds <laughs> like how do you how are you so much better yeah at this mm-hmm. um it, you know it's just an amazing feeling i'm really looking forward to uh to exploring that i'm probably since i'm starting so early and that's the only thing i need to really play mm-hmm. um other than dark souls 3 i'm probably just gonna do all of the stuff. Me too. Um, I have I have dedicated time to do all the stuff. Yeah, because it's it's delightful and uh, it's a treat to us. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that's all we're going to announce. Yeah. We're uh, we're we're right now three games ahead. So. Yep. Yeah. And we don't know what we're doing after that. No, we do. I don't think oh, we do. Um, we'll have to tell me off air. I forgot. Yep. Um. So anywho, uh, thanks very much for listening. If you like this show, you can support us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Mm-hmm. Um, it is one of the reasons we can justify doing these three hour long monstrosities yeah. based on 25 <laughs> to 30 hour games. Yep. Because yeah, yeah it, 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 like it makes a difference. We're able to make more room in our lives yes. for, uh, for, for, for this and uh, create some really great content. I feel like I feel confident in this, in this kind of run of shows that we've been doing in the, uh, in the follow up to the winter of our discontent. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like it as well. I feel like these have been good episodes yeah. and uh, hopefully you agree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, there's all the usual uh, stuff, iTunes ratings and reviews. This is going to be coming out uh, right around the launch fever for dark souls three, which is a huge time for the network in general. Even if you don't uh, play those games or listen to bonfire side chat, like a lot of people are finding the shows. So if you uh, are coming over from that show, uh, welcome. We're so happy to have you, uh, mm-hmm. you know, friends who are, uh, um, really enthusiastic about video games and hearing people talk about them, send them our way and also leave an, uh, a rating or review on iTunes. It helps us get more visible. Yes. And that's what we want during this time. So yeah. really appreciate it. Um, you can join us on social media and all the normal places, mm-hmm. uh, Facebook, um, we're both on Twitter. You can find us. We're easy to find. Um, so, but this has been a long episode, so we'll cut that stuff short. Mm-hmm. Um, we will see you guys next time until next time. Uh, what should they watch out for? They should watch out for burning crusades. That's what I was going to say if you didn't say it. So (laughs) I had that lined up in case you stumbled. Um, Umbasa. Umbasa.
Azul. <laughs> Glocktar. Loktar. Loktar of the Hill People. Ah, yes. 